1: I'm jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm <laughs> standing and pacing it like
0: that. He's just Makazi now. He's, okay. Okay, so, so Mc-
1: he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's a 10 boy, years He's a man. He's a man. Man, yes, it's, it's, he's it's man, man Mikazi. He got PWS superstar by him. <laughs> and he was gone in two months.
0: in go in go in gonder Look at You're missing a B there, but that's...
1: There's a B? This is what I'm <laughs> talking about. letters don't go together. <laughs> oh, oh, oh are you having a wank, are you? And it's like, No!
0: You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X
1: out. Go listen to some boring podcast with her, with afraid of their own shadow. Okay, don't listen to Joe Lanza. Joe lanza's not changing.
0: And Rich Krejci.
1: Yeah. I give you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Oh in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this
0: guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, the king of banter himself, Mr. Joe and Joe, we have plenty to talk about. Um, do you have, I mean, I you know I, now I don't know how to approach this question now. This time, we didn't actually have any banter before. Like, I called you, and we said, boom, let's go, and we started recording. So I, I, I don't know how you're doing, to be honest, but uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to ask, so.
1: I'm doing uh, just fine, Rich. How's that?
0: Oh, okay. All right. Good, good.
1: Is that suitable? Just fine?
0: Um, it's, it feels like you're hiding something, but okay. I mean, if, that's, if just fine's your answer, that's okay. It feels like I I'm mean, hiding something. Just, just fine? Why, just, well, what could be better? You've,
1: you've been married like two weeks, and you're already reading into the way people say things?
0: Yes. Yeah. W- what's just fine? It's been a month. By the way, but
1: <laughs> you sound like you're hiding something. I don't even know what that means.
0: <laughs> I don't know either. I have no idea.
1: I'm hiding anything.
0: Just fine. I mean, well, you know, splendid would be a good answer. Uh,
1: Who says splendid in 2016? I've never. I haven't heard someone say splendid, like for real. I don't think ever in my life. Like maybe. Yeah, I don't think I ever. Had maybe either. in a black and white movie. Uh, <laughs> right. you know but but. Had, have you ever really heard anybody say, I don't s- think I've
0: ever heard anybody say splendid. No. And, and, and um, mean it. Like I'd probably look at them. I'd probably that if you, if you told me I was splendid, I would probably say, Hey, what's wrong? Like, you know, cause then you're hiding something for sure. If you say splendid, cause nobody's really splendid. You're, you're, I don't you're think you're
1: a psychologist today. Did you, you know who might, you might, you know, who might say splendid Jervis Cottonbelly might say splendid.
0: <laughs> you know, he probably does. You know, I'm going to look up, look up splendid Jervis Cottonbelly right now. I'm sure there's like a promo. Oh, it, it auto. Ah, yes. Professional wrestler Jervis Cottonbelly joins us for a splendid conversation. This was. Oh, and then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got it. So that was a uh, Neckbreaker pro wrestling, which great title for <laughs> your pro wrestling podcast. Uh, this is splendid. I look dapper. That's a, a tweet from Jervis Cottonbilly in 2015. So you're correct.
1: He follows us, too.
0: The Jervis Cottonbelly.
1: I believe so, unless he got tired of our shit and he unfollowed us, which is...
0: Uh, let's awesome. see. I, almost, <laughs> almost assertively, that is what happened. Uh, follows you. Okay, Jervis Cottonbelly still you. follows us. Despite
1: tearing apart Chikara <laughs> bit by bit over the last like two years,
0: the man still... But we like him. him. I like Jervis Cottonbelly. I don't know about you. I, have, I always enjoyed him. I
1: have no beef with Jervis Cottonbelly. Okay. I'll tell you, I found out who Jervis Cottonbelly was... And I don't plan on starting another controversy. So, <laughs> so relax over there, Creech. But it was very underwhelming when I found out who he was. Hmm. I think it would be very underwhelming. Uh, yeah, people snoop around. They could figure it out. But very underwhelming indeed.
0: You want to shoot me a little chat there?
1: Um, I'll be completely honest. I don't think you know who this person is. That's how underwhelming it is.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I've heard a name before, but I don't know if it's actually the person that is. You know, As you know, I'm terrible at guessing who's underwhelming.
1: Now he doesn't follow us anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because it's it's weird because it, it's always weird to find out that, like, these, well, he's a good worker, though.
0: I mean, as Jervis, he's a good worker. So I hope, you know, hope he gets work other places. but
1: That's too late. I sent people on the trail and now he's mad. But it, it's yeah. it's it's weird. to Like, it's it's really it's always weird when these wrestlers, like, mention that they listen to a show or talk about something from the show. Because then I'm always like, oh, shit, did I talk did I ever talk shit about that guy on the show? And then I get nervous for, like, 30 seconds, and then I'm like, eh, it's whatever.
0: I feel like I, – I and the way I always sort of reconcile that is I feel like they probably read a review more than they're ever going to listen to this. Like, dear God, can you imagine, like – David Boy Smith Jr. sitting down in like hour 240 and he's like, all right, what do they have to say about my, you know, recent pro wrestling? No, like, that's probably not happening. Like maybe somebody forwards him over and says, hey, by the way, like, I don't think they sit down and listen for a whole three hours. Maybe they do. I don't know. There are some there that are I know that, that too, do for sure. I know. But I'm sure there's a lot that get, hey, X, you know, insert Pat Buck or whatever. <laughs> At forty five fourteen. these guys talk shit about you. You know what I mean? I feel like there's probably more well, of that. Oh, we know a
1: thousand percent that that. Is.
0: Yeah. More so than like. And yeah, there are people, but I'm sure there's not many like sitting down and going, "All right, three hours of these assholes talking about." I can, I can think of two or three. No, I know. Yeah, there's a few. I, I, I say more. I do know more of them read it though. That's that's where I'm always a little weary, and and I don't care because I always sort of say, "Hey, this is what we do," and this is you know, and and many of them have. Ba- so their credit reached out to us and said, Hey, what, you know, what did you not like about this or, you know, people have done that, but I feel like the written stuff, cause that's easy. They can click on that. They can scroll to their match. They can go "Oh, geez, these guys, you know, two star, what the hell, you know what I did, you know, that I feel like we do get a lot of, I, I don't know how many actually listen or sit down and listen to a whole podcast, but maybe they do get parts or maybe they just have an idea that, Hey, you're going to talk about me in the beginning. So I'll, I'll listen to that. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. More, I think, uh, I think, think you're it.
1: right. That more read. I, we know for a fact that some of them read. sure. Um, uh, who was it that told us that? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bruce Tharp said that a bunch of. The, he was, He said everybody reads it, and you uh, know, and we know that there's others that read it because they they tell us they read it. Uh, they read the stuff that our writers do, but like I said, it's like it's like you just said. I think about it for like 30 seconds when I'm writing a review or something, but then it, it and you get sort of that uneasy. But then you think, you know what? They understand the deal too. If they're reading this stuff, they know how it works and they know that, you know, they're going to get ripped every now and then. And, you know, it's just you just can't think about it. You know what I mean? So, you know, if Jervis Cottonbelly is listening, <laughs> Listen. I, went, I like his work. I like Jervis. You know, people, but I haven't no really talking any shit about him. You know, I just said I, you know, I knew who the man was under the under the mask there, which, again, you know, we're not going down that road again.
0: No, please, dear God. Let's I not, mean, I will uh, if you want to, but I don't. No, I don't. I really don't. We have we have plenty to talk about here. Of course, we're going to talk about the match. Uh, it's now. For this week, we can actually refer to it as The Match, so you'll know what we're talking about here in a little bit. Uh, some other Best of the Super Junior stuff, Cody Rhodes, WWE Bar- uh, Brand Split, NXT TakeOver, Pro Wrestling Noah, maybe some All Japan, a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, we made an executive decision, you tweeted out earlier. Uh, we didn't have a show last week because of some scheduling issues and the holidays and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Extreme Rules is old news by now. I think you tweeted out that like you liked the main event more than I did, I liked the four-way more than you did, the Asylum Match blew the end. Like That's, that's essentially our takes, so... I mean, that, there you go. Like I, I have nothing more to add about Extreme Rules, so we're not going to do that here. we got a plenty to talk about. Uh, regardless, before we get into all that, I just want to let uh, the people know about some people that help us. Keep the show up, up and running and going and doing all that sort of stuff. Voice dot com slash Amazon, of course. Any purchase you make on Amazon, anything you buy, including Swedish porn, as we've found out on this podcast before. Uh, it helps us out. We get a little bit of a percentage back for anything you buy. You don't pay anything different. You just order on Amazon like you would any other time. But you do it through Voice Wrestling dot com slash Amazon. And we get a little bit back. Also, Voice Wrestling dot com slash Seat Geek. Um, I actually used this a few days ago to uh, watch my horrible uh regressing terribly White Sox, then, you know, you can go to com slash SeatGeek, watch Joe's terrible baseball team, the Reds in person, or if you want, you can watch good baseball if you're so inclined. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a great service. Uh, I've been using it a lot more uh, just great deals on on tickets. They have a deal score thing where you can go in there and you know it's it's green like a section or these little dots will be green and you go oh, that's a good deal and you can actually find out what's you know the best price right now and all that sort of stuff. But I've been using it. I've been enjoying it. VoiceWrestling.com/seatgeek. Anything you buy on there helps us out. VoiceWrestling.com as well. Our of course flagship website the main website uh, we got a few different projects going on right now a few fun things on the website we have uh, Garrett kidney did an incredible breakdown of whatever the hell is going on with matt hardy which are we, are we going to talk i don't think we're going to talk about that today right we have too much else uh, to talk about Broken Matt Hardy, No, right? because
1: I think we're going to do an extensive preview of Slammiversary next
0: oh, week. Oh, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> the whole show's that. It's three hours of just talking Slammiversary. It'll be longer than the actual show itself, which is perfect. Uh, but yeah, no, Gary Kidney did an awesome one talking about the saga of Broken Matt Hardy and where the hell it came from and why it's here and and how creepy and weird and kind of interesting it is. There's that. Also, our Match of the Month project. Uh, the May voting just began earlier today, so if you go to VoicetheRising.com you can participate in that. It's one of the deepest and most diverse pools we've had uh, with that project thus far. Lots of different, just weird promotions and weird matches and stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Glad people are nominating fun stuff uh, for that. And also, voicewrestling.com/forums. Great discussions going on there right now. We're talking about modern wrestling, NXT brand split, and uh, all the current happenings in Japanese pro wrestling. I think that's my my favorite part, and I'm sure yours as well. Is that every promotion in Japan, like literally every promotion. Is, has a thread and people are talking about it and it's active and that, that's really cool like if you need to catch up on any promotion you don't know what the hell's going on you want to talk about it we have a thread about every single promotion you could possibly find in japan so it's really cool com slash forums all right that's it for my shilling joe are you ready to talk about the match
1: uh i am
0: all right the match of course will osprey versus Ricochet. Oh, I
1: thought you meant Daisuke versus Mr. Ganusake <laughs> from Gut's World, which I
0: That is the one you just watched. So yeah, tell us about just it. Just watched. Uh a uh, little bit of different uh, different spectrums of the wrestling world, correct?
1: I would say so, yes. They were <laughs> very different uh kinds of matches. <laughs> I think uh Mr. Ganusuke is uh setting back uh he he's ruining pro wrestling with his lack of leg selling uh in the in Uh-oh. This, in the second half of that match. So, Do they have uh,
0: stereo springboard flips or no? No
1: stereo springboard flips. Uh, but but mm. oh boy, did Daisuke work on that man's legs. And then uh, <laughs> Mr. Ganasuke, he sort of just blew it off in the second half of the match. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't want Vader to find out because he would not be happy. <laughs> and uh, he would probably claim that they're ruining pro wrestling. But uh, we're not here to talk about Guts World, my man. No. I don't think we've ever talked about Guts World. Um, we talk about
0: you burying it I think you you will occasionally throw it in as like your grimy indie promotion well like.
1: here's the thing I, I barely ever watch Guts World I, I will bury K-Dojo any day of the week um, I will bury uh, you know somebody but Guts World is one that I've really stayed away from like I stay away from the Guts World I stay away from Hard Hit I stay away from Heat Up some of these are just way too fucking grimy even for me And and, and I'll watch <laughs> almost anything
0: but. It's so echoey. That's that's what I always get when I watch those. It's just like because they're, they're very loud, like and I'm sure I mean, every wrestling match is very loud when you're there in person, you get it. But like because they're in these like little like they're in a warehouse or whatever, and there's like 45 people there. It's just so loud. I, I, I always get that. I'm like, man, this is just like anytime I watch guts, whichever so often I'll, I'll click on a match if someone's like, hey, I really like this one or whatever, because anytime it's highly regarded, I go, OK, you know, hey, right, it's worth a try to watch or whatever. It never I don't know what it is something about it within like two minutes my eyes are bleeding and I just kind of can't really concentrate on it. it. I don't know what it is. It,
1: the thing with guts world is like the dude does like live commentary to like to the crowd.
0: Oh, and it's really it's like always mixed really terrible too. Isn't it like super loud? He said, you know like, what it is?
1: He sounds like he's selling tires of swap me. You know, it's like, you know, that he's calling the match. But he sounds like uh you know like a barker at a uh, at a swap meet mm-hmm. or something
0: it's, I feel like it always sounds like underwater too is is that correct too it's always like really bad audio quality
1: I'm not positive, but I think the match I just watched may have been in the scaled down version of corkin um oh, okay. or something that looked similar so it actually wasn't half bad this time around but you're right I mean a lot of times the buildings too or or a lot of times they're in Shinjuku face you know and it's just like mm-hmm. fucking eighty people there and you know half of the a lot. A time in that building no one reacts to anything so yeah there's a real grimy element to it what are we doing what are we yeah, doing dear have- god
0: we have so much to talk about we let off with Ghost uh, world will osprey ricochet will oh, Ospreay, ricochet uh may of course uh we reviewed this it, it, it's been a big deal i mean everybody is going nuts one way or another on it caused a lot of issues i think the biggest thing is, is, is that i noticed is of course is the mainstream coverage? This got like almost immediately. This started popping up on SB Nation's homepage. Not even their pro wrestling, not cage side seats or whatever. Their homepage. It started popping up on Sports Illustrated. I think they've done two stories on it. Yahoo Sports did a story on it. ESPN had it today. The Korkin wrestling in Tokyo or whatever the hell they call New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was on ESPN. It was just it was everywhere. And and New Japan reacted to it and said, "Bullshit. Here we go. Here it is. It's free on our YouTube page. Go go go." And that's I think by the time uh, when we started recording here, it already had ninety eight thousand views or something like that. So. It's been blowing up like crazy. People are watching it. People are, for better or for worse, taking sides with this right wait, away so with this New, match. New
1: Japan put it on their YouTube page too? Yeah. I didn't know that. I knew that they took no, it. They, uh, they had
0: it free on the world, but then yeah. they also, yeah, I checked. Uh, just to say, because I said, oh, you know, they have a pretty active YouTube page. Let me see if it's on there. And it was on there and it had 98,000 views, which, um, you know, they have some videos that are like 250,000 or whatever. But those are ones that have been around for, you know, five or six years. It's like an old Nakamura uh, Tanahashi match from, from years ago or whatever. But to, for this, they have 98,000. Actually, let me check while we're uh, doing it, this, because that was almost a few hours it's ago. It's actually pretty updated.
1: brilliant of them to put it on their YouTube page because they knew that there were illegal uploads already out floating out there. Sure. Oh, and yeah. why not gather the hits yourself? So it was kind of smart to do that. Plus, uh, it got all the mainstream coverage here, which I'm sure it got some in Japan as well.
0: Look, oh, geez, we're at 124,000 right now.
1: Yeah, so I mean, since the last Surprising. time you checked, it did another 25, uh, what, 25,000 views since the last time you yeah, checked. So, I mean, you know, it, it's a no-brainer to put that match up for free and to put it on their website and to get all those hits for themselves. But I have to disagree with, with something that you said there already. I, I It's like... Everyone is saying that this match is super divisive and causing all these problems. But the weird thing is I don't really see it that way. I see everybody talking about all the problems that this match has caused and all these debates. Rich, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, unless it's just our timeline, I see a lot of people talking about uh, how divisive this match is, but I don't really see a lot of divisive opinions. It seems to me that just about everybody who has watched this match and Even some of the people who you would typically think wouldn't have liked it, everyone has liked the match. Not everyone has loved the match. Not everyone's calling it a match of the year. But everyone seems to at least – okay, the floor for this match seems to be – that was not my cup of tea, but it was enjoyable to watch. That seems to be the floor. So what my question to you is – okay. So my take on this, because uh, so, I haven't seen anyone outwardly bash the match with the exception of goofballs in Vader's timeline who were just kissing up to him who probably haven't even seen the thing. You know, the weirdos who just want his approval. Aside from people like that, I haven't really seen anybody trash the match. I don't think this match itself has, has been what's divisive. I think uh, this match has spurred a debate. On that style of match, correct?
0: And then, yeah, I think. Well, and and I guess I should have rephrased it. In, in terms of anybody who's watched the full match, most people will react to it and go, "Yeah, it was like you said. the 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 floor is not my cup of tea, but good. And and like pretty much people that haven't even liked it that much, like four stars or whatever, is like what I've seen as as one of the floors of people going, like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd give it that. You know, it's not as spectacular as I thought or whatever. But the reaction, or at least the the, the divisiveness, I guess that I wanted to say. A lot of is reacting to the 10-second gift that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Of course, one of the opening sequences of the match we, we referred to a little bit there uh, at the top of the show. And then also just an overarching sense of, okay, where is pro wrestling going? Why is this a style that everybody loves? Is this something that you know is healthy for pro wrestling? Is this the type of match that we really want? That's been the biggest thing. Maybe not yet. I, I think you're right in the fact that nobody is really hating the match as a whole. Because when you watch the match as a whole, it, it's fine. People are reacting to 10 seconds and that's spurned a gigantic debate. I think not, not just among our people or or just but I've I've seen it other places too. And it's not necessarily bashing the match, but more or less kind of going, "Ah, I don't now we're getting kind of I don't know what this isn't the pro wrestling I grew up with or that I like anymore." Is a lot that I've seen from people is saying, "If this is the norm, I don't know what I, I don't know if this is my thing anymore." I've seen from from plenty of people, reasonable people as well.
1: I think the 10 second gif or Jif, rather, Rich. It is Jif. I'm
0: going to call it Gif. No, I'm a, I'm a Gif, uh, man. I don't care what the it, guy who came up with. it. <laughs> the You're man wrong. who invented it says it's Jif. Wow, oh, who cares? Well, too uh, bad. I,
1: I think the 10-second GIF is really uh, what, what caused all of this. I think you nailed it on the head more than the match itself. Because like mm. I said, even Vader himself, who caused most of the dust-ups, when he finally watched the match, he said he liked it. And I think that, you know, that that wasn't um, – th- that was pretty much the case for just about everybody for when they finally watched the match. I genuinely haven't seen anybody say they hated the match. Um, it, it, you know, I'm sure there's some people out because there always is, but I haven't seen it. And our timeline for those first two or three days really didn't feature <laughs> – any sort of um, hardcore debates or arguments or anything else about the match that I saw everybody else talking about. I really think it was just that gif that set people off because they watched that. They had no idea where it took place in the match or the context, and they figured, oh, this is a 20-minute match full of this shit, and it turned out not to be the case. So right. I, you know, I, I really think a lot of those debates, wherever they were happening, because, again, I didn't see them. Wherever those debates were happening, I think it was based off of that gif, and that really should be a lesson to people. OK, it's like you, you re- and, and we went through this with another Will Osprey match and a match he had against Maurice Skrull a few months earlier, or a few weeks earlier. It's like you cannot
0: look the at Russell the Russell Con one. Correct. That's the one you're I don't even to, right?
1: remember which match. I believe, it, Rus- I believe it was the
0: I believe it was the Russell Con uh, match, but
1: but we re- we wrong. really have to get away. And, and, the, and the thing, the, the one statement that Vader made before he watched the match that annoyed me. Here's the thing about these gifs. You don't have to like what you see in the gif. You don't. You know the legacy. You could say, I hate what I see, in it. but what you can't do is what Vader did. What Vader did is he went too far. He said, these k- kids don't know how to work. I'm paraphrasing him, of course, but he said, they don't know how to work. They don't know how to tell a story. Uh, this match needs storytelling. How the fuck do you know after watching 10 seconds? I'm sorry, but I will argue to the death of anyone, you need the full context. You cannot look at any eight-second uh, eight second clip from any match and determine whether they're telling a story or, or or whether they know how to work. It's impossible. I'm sorry. And that doesn't mean and, and I know that that argument sort of splintered into, well, if if the GIF is out there, it can be criticized. Absolutely. You can criticize the GIF if you want, but you can't go so far as to say that that there's no storytelling in a match based on eight seconds. That's that's ludicrous and absolutely absurd.
0: It's absurd. Um. Yeah, no, I, I'm right with you on that. And I think There were, like you said, there were people saying, well, I'm reacting to just the GIF. I'm reacting to just that or whatever, which is fine. But then it was getting into, oh, they don't know what they're doing or, oh, you you know. And it's, again, like even from that standpoint is if you want to say that, you know, know, or have criticisms with this exact part, without knowing any of the context of the GIF, without knowing the context of those two guys, without knowing the context of what happened before that, what happened after that, I just don't think, and I'm right with you, I just don't think 10 seconds of any match, Any match in history, if you show me 10 seconds of it, I don't think I'm going to be able to say, yes, this is exactly a a, a great example of what happened in this match, and I can give a reaction to that match from this. I can say, whoa, that's awesome. Wow, what a great spot or whatever. But criticizing, I think, uh, that match or saying, you you know, and even on the flip side, I can't say, wow, this is a great match after seeing five seconds. You you don't know that. Who the hell knows that? So there, there were people saying that that was a counter argument. Well, what people are excited about the gif. What about those people? But people aren't saying, wow, what a great match. This is one of my favorite matches ever from 10 seconds. No, No, they were just saying they liked the gif. Right. Oh, that was was spectacular. Wow. This was a great 10-second representation of this match that I really enjoyed that's what those that kind of side was saying (laughs) to an extent which is fine that you're allowed to say that but you cannot criticize the entire match the story of the match how these guys work what they're doing what they're not doing what they're doing wrong what they're doing right you you just can't do that in 10 seconds and you know i thought the counter argument that a lot of people were making was you know well like i said before oh you know how could you be excited about a match from just seeing a gif which i I think is completely different i think people aren't excited or, or, or aren't praising the entire match from that 10 seconds, they're going, wow, you know, like I said, wow, that's a great representation of the match, wow, I really enjoyed that spot, wow, that was really cool, or just sharing it and saying, hey, this is a little preview of what you can see from this entire match, because most of those people that were reacting were also saying, you know, or, or going out and watching the match, or if they were the casual fans, and you saw a lot of those people too, just going, wow, spectacular, that's nothing, that's just saying, yes, this 10 seconds that I watched is spectacular. That's it, but it's a whole different animal when you start getting into the, to, to critiquing and criticizing the match, the story, the workers. Well, you, can't, you just cannot do that from 10 seconds. And, and people are bringing up like movie trailers. Oh, can you react to a movie after 10 seconds? You can say, yeah, that movie looks good or hey, that movie looks bad, but I'm not going to say that movie sucks well, you're, after no, seeing well, 10 seconds of a movie trailer. I mean, you just can't do that. The equivalent
1: to that would be watching a movie trailer and deciding that the plot is shit. Right. You don't know that in, th- in a two-minute two trailer. You, you, you can't determine
0: whether the plot... This is ten seconds. This is ten seconds. Right. Like you know what I mean? Like imagine ten seconds of any movie. You would have no clue what the hell is going on. Yeah, it, In ten seconds, no clue. It's you know, ten seconds
1: of twenty minutes, two minutes out of ninety minutes. It's sort of the equivalent. It's like you can't determine whether the plot is good or not. But that look, I think people are tired of hearing about that side of it anyway. Yeah. But um, I mean, what did you just straight up think of a match? Because actually I'll go first. Um, look, I, I don't think it's the greatest match I've ever seen. Um, I don't think it's not going to be my match of the year. It's a match that could possibly make my top 10 matches of the year. Um, But I do think it was uh, spectacular. I do think um, they did tell a good story in the match. I thought the match um, actually had excellent psychology, actually, Mm -hmm. to be completely honest with you. And we can dig into that in a few minutes. Um, And I do think that. As soon as I was done watching the match, and I feel more strongly about this now than I even did then because this was before uh, uh, you know other things uh, occurred. As soon as I was done with the match, the, my immediate thought was this is going to be an iconic Best of the Super Juniors New Japan match. For years and years and years until the day I die, when people talk about Best of the Super Juniors and, and like you did before the tournament started – and you did a, a call to our followers and said, Hey, what are your favorite best of Super Juniors matches? I'm trying to watch some to get hyped up for this tournament. Remember, you did that last week? Yeah. And people mm-hmm. were throwing matches at you. I think forever now, this is going to be one of those matches that people talk about. This is now, I think, I think this was a seminal match, an iconic match. Uh, it's going to be one of the more memorable matches of all time. I think it's just one of those matches. And look, it doesn't have to be one of the greatest matches of all time to be one of those types of matches. You never know when you're going to, when something iconic is going to happen, when something super memorable or, 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 uh, or seminal is going to occur. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's not only the greatest matches of all time that end up being that way. And, and I can't really put my finger on it, but look at the buzz that it caused in the aftermath. I mean, like you said, all of the, uh, Mainstream, this match got more mainstream buzz than any New Japan match in the history of New Japan. It's like, without question, I mean, it's like, no, it's, without question, it's yeah. not even close or arguable, and uh, you know, it, you know, you just see one hundred twenty-five thousand views of the match in, in in two days or whatever. I mean, goes to show you right there.
0: And that's and, one uploaded you uh, like New Japan. I mean, that's not even counting the countless illegal ones. That's not even counting New Japan World. That's not counting. The, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I
1: mean, this is this is you know, you you know, this is you could argue this is the most famous New Japan match ever already. I mean, at least in the West it is. I think there's absolutely no question uh, outside of Japan, this is the most famous New Japan match ever, already. So, I mean, this is going to be an iconic match that people will remember forever. Every year when Super Juniors rolls around, people are going to watch this match. And it's going to be one of those matches that you watch every year, and, and you watch maybe a couple times a year, or at least once a year. It's going to be a super memorable match. Uh, with that said, again, look, and I you know, and I think it's going to be, and because Will Ospreay, is going to obviously go on and do bigger and better things with his career. This guy's going to be a megastar. I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, the sky's the limit for this dude. As long as he keeps his head on straight, doesn't get hurt, all of those things that you can't factor and, and, and can't plan for, this guy's going to be a huge star. We know he's going to go on and do bigger and better things. If he becomes one of the biggest stars in wrestling, okay, which we all think that, he, that, that could happen for him, People are going to look back on this match forever as like the the, the big breakout match of his career. I mean he had Dallas. He owned Dallas, and that was like a warm-up. And then you have this match here uh, you know, with all the attention and hype that it's gotten. And this is going to be the match that people look back on in a very similar – I mean this is 1994 Rey Mysterio Jr. That is what you're watching right now. This guy is 1994 Rey Mysterio Jr. I think there's no question about it.
0: Uh, match itself uh my reaction to it initially kind of similar to you where i enjoyed it but yeah i don't know if it's going to make my top 10 i preferred you, you know just talking about will osprey matches in general i preferred the osprey saber uh match in dallas uh, a lot more to this um i think i like this one better than the Evolve match between ricochet and osprey but yeah i mean it, it was it, it i think my reaction when it was done was very similar to yours i said this was very good this was awesome I don't know if it's my match of the year. I don't think it is. I don't know if it's even my top ten. It probably is, and I'll rewatch it at the end of the year. I always do a pretty big rewatch. But I said this is important, and this is. I watched it that morning because I sort of I grabbed my phone and I checked the notifications, and they were blowing. People were going nuts, and I said, okay, you know what? First thing in the morning, I'm gonna watch this match because like I can't. I I don't want to let. I want to watch. Before all, every reaction gets out there. Before every single person in the world sees this thing or whatever, I want to make sure I see it because you know you wake up and you got you know, 45 notifications or whatever, and everyone's just doing exclamation points and going, "Oh my god!" and these gifts are everywhere. So I watch it there, and I said, "Yes, this this." I, I immediately finished that match and said, "This is an important match. This is something that people will talk about and people will react to for a while." My disagreement is, I, I heard some people talking about it being a revolutionary match. that's going to change. So I, I don't know that it's going to change much. Uh, with the wrestling world, you, you know, what I mean, like, I don't know if the wrestling world has been turned on its head because of this match. I think it's one, like you said, it's a very important match. It's an iconic match. It'll always be replayed when people mention best of the Super Juniors, and it might even be replayed all the time when people mention New Japan at this point because I think New Japan would be silly to run away from it either. I mean, this is an important match in their history. Like we're saying, it's climbing up. I mean, God, their YouTube page—I I just checked—it's you know the twentieth most watched video of all time on their page, and they have things that are seven or eight years old on there. It's, two, it's a huge it's page been up for two yeah, it's, days.
1: So yeah, look, look, like, clearly embracing this
0: yeah so so and then they'd be stupid not to they'd be stupid to run away from it so I think they're gonna always embrace it but yeah I think it's an iconic match I think it's a a seminal match for for Will Ospreay I think in a lot of ways uh, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit as well for Ricochet who's been a great competitor there but just not a consistent guy because of course he's got other things to do he's got Dragon Gate. he's got lucha underground he's got whatever his next step is in his career if there is a next step or whatever to him it was more I I felt like he and I think you had a similar idea that he was sort of passing the torch to Osprey of, you are now the best high flyer in wrestling. Go forth, young one. You know what I mean? Like, And and I think we've seen that with the rest of the tour as well, where Ricochet has been a little bit more calm throughout this tour, except for this match where he goes, okay, here's the here's the young kid that wants to take my spot as the high flyer or whatever. And he took it. And, and Ricochet kind of said, okay, you know, it's yours now, bud. Like, that's you. Wasn't, which but cool. he wasn't
1: thrilled about it. Was, no, he wasn't happy. Was would you? You would
0: be thrilled. Well, you wouldn't be thrilled by that either. No, right? no. But yeah, <laughs> but
1: we'll, we'll talk about that. You know, like, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. But go ahead.
0: But yeah, no, so I think I think important match, iconic match was it my favorite match of the year? No, was it what I one of the best matches or objectively one of my best matches of the year my it, no, was it really good? Yeah, it absolutely was really good. It needs to be viewed by everybody though I think no matter who you are, what circle of wrestling, casual fan like Japanese wrestling, don't like Japanese wrestling hey I, I think it just has to be viewed one way or another because you're seeing what I think is an important seminal moment for that guy who we think is going to be a huge star and an important seminal moment for a promotion as well in a tournament and all that sort of stuff. You know, will it die down a little bit towards the end of the year in terms of people loving it as much as they do? I, I don't know. It remains to be seen. I think it's going to be, I mean, it's, you know, d- doing an early guess for our match of the year, I would say it's going to be top five. Do you think it's so? Finishing top. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to vote for it. I don't think top five, but I think it's going to finish.
1: Top I think five. it's finishing top. I would, I would, I would say it's a lock for the top 10.
0: Yeah. Oh no, a definite lock for the top. I, I, yeah,
1: an absolute lock. I can't say top 5 yet. We'll see what happens. You really I I'm very uncomfortable ever projecting that out. It is
0: May. Yeah, it is or the June. It is the beginning of June, so maybe we should hold off. Well, yet. yeah,
1: I, I I'm never comfortable doing it before G1. Because you never you know G1 who knows? You know, you could have 25 tremendous matches in G, and then people quickly forget about. But this match I think is a lock for the top 10 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um look, I thought it was great. I think we're downplaying a, it a little bit. Um uh, you know, I don't think it's my match of the year or anything like that, but I do think it's one of the best junior matches I've ever seen. I do. I will. I will I will say that. I think it's one of the best matches this tournament has ever seen. Um. And and I think that it's easily easily uh, going to be one of the most memorable, if not the most memorable matches tournaments ever seen. Um. And look, I think it was a tremendously worked match.
0: I, yes I, yeah let's let's get to that let's get to the kind of the meat and potatoes of the match
1: yeah, I mean that's the thing i mean I, I see people saying this was the best spot fest style match that they've ever seen, or a really great spot fest style match yeah i don't I don't think it was I'm a little yeah. uncomfortable with that now i yeah. I know what people mean, and uh, you know i look and i don't want to i don't want to get super you know, you know hyper breaking apart where look it was very flashy, of course because these guys did a lot of next level progressive, forward-thinking, creative things. And there are obviously a lot of flips with the Z, okay? So I can I know why people are saying that, but when you sit down and watch this match, it really isn't a SpotFest-style match. And I think you brought something up earlier that I want to bring up now. I don't think it's as good as the Zack Sabre-Willow spray match. I think that was a better match. I think that's definitely going to make probably my top five matches of the year, uh, if not higher.
0: That's my number one right now, it,
1: and I and I can't Until and it I, it out
0: of the and, way, and I yeah. can't
1: rip you for that because I, you know, I was sitting there in the first row, and it was just that was just something. I mean, I don't know, man. That that might be the best live match I've ever seen, but uh, but this match wasn't as good as that. But I like, and I agree with you. I think this was better than the Ricochet match at Evolve, and the Ricochet match at Evolve, which had, which main evented the next day, that was a spot fest. Yes, and and listen, and that was okay because again you have to understand context that was the main event of an evolve show and and it was it was really non canon for the promotion it, it really had it would, Gabe put it on last and their job that day was and i was first row for that one too their job in that match was to go out there go insane pack as much crazy shit as they could possible into their 20 minutes get people to stand on their feet and leave that show with a smile on their face. So I don't have any problem with the way they worked that match, but that was a spot fest. And I think that's why – me, both me and you enjoyed the Zack Saber match more because that was more of a wrestling match, and I think that's why we enjoyed this Best of Super Juniors match more because this was more of a well-structured wrestling match. And look, and I and I like a nice spot fest now and then. That's exactly what that was, and I've got that well over four stars too. But again, that's not something that's going to sniff my top ten for the year. Uh, but it was a hell of a lot of fun, and I was st- and look, I was leading the fucking standing ovations uh, for for that match at, at certain points. So believe me, I enjoyed it. But I thought this match blew away their first match that they had at Evolve from a storytelling and psychology standpoint.
0: Yeah, it, I think th- there were little aspects of this match that I really, really enjoyed as well, and I, and and there were some criticisms as well about selling. Uh, and I think one of the issues with Will Ospreay, and I think this is always going to be a thing when people sort of jump in and watch hyped Will Ospreay matches and then go, "Oh, geez, you know, he did this." Or he did... one spot in particular that I really, but but I enjoyed it, and, and that's why I'll, I'll get to in a sec is. Um Ricochet hit a uh, uh, DVD, I think it was Death Valley Driver, onto the apron. And then he went to go, I believe, do a powerbomb uh, to Osprey on the apron. And Osprey just really quickly, you know, sort of reversed out of that, hit her, her Rana onto Ricochet and then collapsed on his own. And that was the thing that people sort of looked at as, oh, here's, here's Osprey no selling again. And I think one of the aspects that I really like, and, and this is something I like about Osprey. and and it sort of works with his age and it works with how sort of he works. And I think his sort of persona and what he's trying to go for as well is that that was a guy who, you know, he, he he wasn't not selling it. He was delayed selling, I think. And that's a thing. I think that can be a thing. And I thought I liked that in this match because it happened a few times where Osprey took a big move, sort of really quickly reversed or, or did something or, or something like that, and then sort of collapsed. Like, he had one little moment where he could sort of get back the advantage, but then it it, it stopped. It, you know, then he, then he was down. Then he was hurt. Then his back was, was ravaged. And in that particular spot, what I loved about that as well, and it was kind of a subtle thing that, that I don't know that that many people really reflected on or talked about, is that there was almost a count-out spot there. They were at 19, and Osprey grabs some ring crew guy, I think it was a, a wire wrangler or something like that, and grabs him by the shirt and uses him to lift himself up in a sense to say, hey, look, you know, maybe I did that run a few minutes ago or, or a few seconds ago or whatever, but man, my back hurts right now. Like, I didn't even think of it while I was doing that run. Then I took a second to think about it, and goddamn, my back hurts, which is the thing. Adrenaline will over, <laughs> override pain sometimes, but then when, you know, the pain comes or, or, or that adrenaline wears off, you go, oh, man, that really does hurt. You know, it happens to me all the time. I play basketball and to- I, I roll my ankle on like a freaking monthly basis playing basketball. When the game's going on, I really don't feel it. Then, you know, I, I get back to the office or whatever and go, oh, geez, my ankle's, you ravaged or whatever that's the thing that can happen I really like the idea that he sort of used that ring guy to climb himself back up and get in at 19.99 or whatever at at the last possible second because it showed that yeah no maybe in that one second in that brief second he didn't sell he did something quick but then he sold after that and I think that's something that Osprey always does and it's something I like too it sort of plays into him being because he's kind of an idiot. He's like a young 22 year old moron, you you know, like he does stupid stuff. He's not very smart. He's kind of an idiot, but it works. And that's why people root for him a little bit as well, because you root for sort of him to overcome his own stupidity sometimes. But yeah, I I, I enjoy a
1: lot of his matches that he's overconfident and he's cocky and he does stupid things that don't that don't necessarily work. Um, The Death Valley driver spot on the apron. I not only do I not have any problem with the selling in that spot, I thought the selling was excellent overall in that spot. Yeah. Ricochet gives him the Death Valley driver. And this is what people are missing. Osprey immediately goes limp. He sold it. His, his body immediately went limp and he was dead weight. And then Ricochet picks him up, attempts to throw him in the ring. And as he, as he attempts to throw him in the ring,
0: Oh, right, it was – yeah, and then he sort of okay, – Osprey right, right. then
1: uses that momentum to do like a, the 619 gimmick, uses whatever he's got left in the tank to do the 619 gimmick, and then he gives Ricochet the, uh, the Hercarana, and then they're both dead. How did he not sell in that spot? His body went limp after the DVD, and then like you said, they both sold like they were fucking dead and nearly got counted out. I, I'm really not seeing the gripe there. I mean there's times where – look, everyone look. we talk about this all the time. Everybody's lines are are in a different spot in the sand when it comes to selling. We understand that. And a lot of times I can understand where people are coming from even if it doesn't necessarily bother me. This is a spot where I don't understand – it's almost as if they were watching a different spot than me because he sold the Death Valley driver itself. His body went completely limp and he flopped to the ground. What more do you want? And then Ricochet, you know, went to throw him in the ring and he reversed it and he gave it, and then they both laid on the ground for 19 seconds and barely got back in the ring. No problem at all with that spot. Although it was a great spot. And I thought
0: And even when they got back in the ring, too, if I recall, they sort of were down for a little while after that, too. Yeah. It was like, all right, it, it still took like another, you know, 30 seconds to a minute for them to really start getting back into action or whatever. It was like, oh, we got in the ring. Ah, but I'm still kind of hurt. Like I'm just going to chill here for a little bit and see how it goes. I mean, so, it's
1: short of him being counted out. What more do you want? Right. What more do you want? You know, what more do you want if he's not unless he he, he got counted out, which would have been fine, too? Uh, well, not in that spot in the match. They would have done it later in the match. I think a count out would have really sucked at that point in the match. But you get the point I'm making I mean, There's really not much more he could have done at that point, um, you know, other than other than be counted out. Um, but yes, I had no problem with that spot.
0: Yeah, and one one aspect that I wanted to touch on a little bit is you mentioned the spot fest thing, and the way I always sort of look at the difference between a spot fest and, or what I would consider a spot fest and what this match was is this match I thought, and and, and I'm not sure if you agree or disagree, had a little bit, There was there was some hatred in this match too. Like you said, Ricochet just didn't really he didn't want to give up anything to this guy. He doesn't want to not be the best high flyer in the world or whatever. So it wasn't you know people see the gif and go oh my god they're just flipping around and having fun and doing gymnastics or whatever. But after that little spot right there, it was down to business. Ricochet did not want this little fuck to beat him. And Will Ospreay is a little fuck like he kept swearing at him and being a dickwad or whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like there wasn't you know fest to me is like hey look at this fun thing I did. Hey look at this fun thing I did. Like look at it to me that's sort of what I. When when you say spot fest, that's the first thing that rings into my mind. Is like two guys that just simply appear to be or, or 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 are just doing as much silly shit as they can. Like you said, the evolve match, there was no hatred there. That was just you know obviously them trying to do as much silly shit as they could in twenty minutes or whatever. That's all that was. This match was not that at all. I thought I thought this was a complete antithesis of it because after that one spot that people reacted to, that 10 second gift or whatever, it was down to business for Ricochet. He didn't mess around the rest of the match. Osprey sort of played with him a little bit, but that's Osprey that's what he does Ricochet though he was he was after it he wanted to win that match he wanted to compete he wanted to just beat this guy's ass and not give up his his crown as the best high flyer in wrestling or whatever that's the aspect where you know i could tell immediately if somebody watched the match or didn't because if they were reacting all oh, these guys don't oh it's just a spot fest the second you say spot fest i know you didn't watch this match yeah. i know you watched that gif you watched two gifs and go, oh what a spot fest cuz it wasn't those gifs are spotty but nothing else in that match the meat of the match was the antithesis of a spot fest it, it, if it wasn't those two guys, it would have been – you know what I mean? Like it was a blood feud. It was a grudge this match a, between two this guys. This was
1: a fight with two guys yeah. trying to win a fight. And they might not have fought in the preferred way that you like to see guys fight. OK? Maybe you're a fan of rings and you'd prefer to see two guys stand there and, and, and kick each other until their thighs are bruised and, and grapple and choke each other out. And that's fine. But uh, – so this may, this may not have been the fight – the style of fight that you prefer. But this was two guys clearly – trying to win a match. And even Vader turned around on that because one of his criticisms Mm -hmm. was, ah, well, you got to be trying to win the match. And then he watched the match and he liked it. These were two guys. I mean, they had a strike exchange in the middle of the match, which was actually... With all of the crazy wackiness, which you know that I love, I have no problem with crazy flips. I have no problem with creative counters. I'm always pushing that I like that stuff. I like guys who are creative and push the envelope. With all of that said, Rich, I don't know if you saw it, but 10 minutes after I watched the match, I said that my favorite spot in the match was at the end of that strike exchange, Will hitting a headbutt on Ricochet to end it. Yeah. Because that that really hammered home, this is a fight. Okay? Uh, You know, and, and it may not, again... It may not look like a UFC fight, but these guys are fight. And the other thing about this match is, if you're wrapped up in the tournament itself, he's 0-3 at that point. Willow Spray's 0-3 coming into this match.
0: Yeah, he's literally going for his life still. I mean, back <laughs> it's against, against the, the wall. Yeah. I
1: had, I didn't know who had won the match. I assumed that Will had won. But I hadn't seen any, you know, uh, the finish or anything like that in any of the. So I, I'm sitting there as a viewer who's watched every match of this tournament with the added intrigue and the added story of this guy's back against, well, he needs this fucking match. And that added to it for me, you know, and I know a lot of people that that just parachuted in to watch the match didn't have that aspect of it either. This is why I always say context always matters. Context never not matters, not in life, not in wrestling matches, not in anything. And, if, and, and when you had the full picture here, okay, the full picture, that added to it too. At least for me. I don't know if, for you, but I'm like, wow, this guy's got his back against the wall. You're yeah. probably watching spoiler because you always watch. You have to watch. I, uh, yeah, I saw it Spoiled. But, but to sorry. give you a, a conjecture, I mean, this was, this was not a spot fest. And, and I thought the match had excellent psychology, whether it was – OK, and, and let's talk about that opening 10-second gif that everybody got up in arms about. I didn't even have a fucking problem with that because, first of all, if you've ever seen a Ricochet match in your life – OK, he does that spot in nearly every match, but it's usually with his opponent out on the floor and then he teases the dive and he does the backflip and he poses. That's his fucking taunt. Will does that sometimes, too. So they go through this exchange and it was the same typical uh, um, um, two guys who or they're establishing that they're equal. They're reversing each other's uh, flying head scissors. They're avoiding each other's strikes. And this is no different than what Eddie Guerrero used to do in the first – you know, to open up his matches 20 years ago, except he would do it with mat work. and uh, Yeah,
0: they do the fish out of water spot or whatever, yeah.
1: And, and then both guys would nip up and put their fists up, and everyone's, everybody claps, and that's to establish, OK, these two guys – are even these two guys are the same? These two guys uh, have the answer for each other. That's exactly what this was, except it was the next level of that. Where instead of doing it with grappling, and instead of doing it with uh, you know whatever the hell else, they did it with some flips. Okay, and the fact of the matter is, if you're stuck in another century, I get why that's going to bother you. But this is just the evolution of that same exact spot that we've seen a million times with workers that everybody universally praises. It was just the, the these guys are equal spot, to establish, okay, we're equals. And then they, they finished it with the flip, which bothered people. The reason it didn't bother me was that's something that both of these guys do in the opening moments of their match. And this just exemplified that spot when they both did it, because it showed up. They're both thinking the same thing. They both want to show the other guy up. And they both did the same fucking thing to show the other guy up. That's all that meant. And then at, at that point, I'm like, oh, man, this is on. Okay, this is on, because these two guys yeah. who want to pull each I mean- other up.
0: Let's not act like posturing isn't a thing in wrestling. It's just so happened that they flipped to their posture. Stop. You know what I mean? Like it's a thing. Like that, like Hulk Hogan the hulking or you know flexing or whatever is no different. It just happened to be these guys flipped to get to it. How is this yeah, any different?
1: Say, how is this any different than two powerhouse wrestlers in the eighties flexing on each other in the open moments right. of a match to say my muscles are bigger than yours or I'm stronger than you? And then they flex. It's, it's the same spot. Okay, it's just the same spot done in 2016 with two guys who happen to be athletic. But it's the same idea. The psychology of the spot is the same. It's no different than 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 any other of those. Either the Eddie Guerrero spots I described or like me and you just said, like two powerhouses flexing on each other. It's the same exact spot. How's it Mm -hmm. different than Ric Flair doing the Fargo strut or Jerry or Jeff Jarrett doing the Fargo strut on a guy? And how is it any different than Ric Flair locking up with a guy? OK, and they back into the ropes and break up and then Flair does the Fargo strut. How is it any different? Is Flair actively trying to win the fight when he does the Fargo strut? I mean, the, you know, that's it's obviously a rhetorical question. Of course not. What this bot, what bothered people about this is it was flashy. Just admit it. Admit yeah. it. OK. Come clean. You didn't like it because it was flashy. That's that's the bottom line here, because this is nothing that hasn't been happening in wrestling since the fucking 1960s. See, you know, you'd have to go all the way back to George fucking Hackenschmidt to find somebody.
0: <laughs> he might have, too. I don't and know. It's... And who
1: knows? I haven't seen the footage. OK, well,
0: I think there's a 90 minute uh, Hackenschmidt Comiskey Park match. If you want to, we can review that on next week's show. We'll watch it. Uh, it we'll, we'll do Slammiversary and then do a live commentary of a Hackenschmidt uh, match. Yeah. Deal? Yeah. yeah. Next week. So
1: we're gonna find the footage, and I bet you we'll find George Hackenschmidt sassing his opponent. (laughs) Okay, that's all this was, though. This was two guys sassing each other the same way they've been doing for decades. Okay, but to be fair, I think when a lot of people saw that spot. In the context of the match, when they saw that it happened in the first 30 seconds of the match and not – look, if it happened 15 minutes into the match, Rich, I think
0: – Oh, that was the closing stretch. Yeah, if that was it. And then, then they went, went home after that. Yeah, I, I agree. We both have a problem constantly. with
1: it. Everybody would right. have a problem with it. OK? It happened in the first 30 seconds. So all it was was a taunting spot. You know, They were just taunting each other. That's all. And I think when most people saw it within the context, they either didn't have a problem with it or didn't have as much of a problem with it, to be fair. Okay, but but in reality that's all that spot was too. So I didn't even have a problem with that spot. I thought it was a very well-worked match. I think overall I think I gave the I I didn't put stars on it when I first watched it because I didn't you know fuck stars. I'm really getting tired of stars. But I know that our people want to know. It's like you can't get away from them because that's – it's just you can't, Rich. You know what? We've had this conversation. It's impossible for us to get away from them. But uh, you know, if I had to throw stars on this match, I don't think I can go any lower than four and a half just based on how creative they were, how clean mm-hmm. the work was, how good the storytelling was, uh, the, the stakes, the, the environment, the main event at Corkin Hall, the post-match stuff. I can't go any lower than four and a half
0: well and yeah I, I went four and a quarter and of course that we're, we're about the same with there, uh, based off you know kind of my skill and I thought one of the aspects that I really enjoyed it as well and it's, it's a big part of it is you know you can you can say oh this 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 and this I didn't like this part I didn't like that and, and we're, we're guilty of it too we do it all the time but if the crowd is reacting as much as they are then these guys are, and that's what Ricochet was kind of like to a lot of people that were criticizing him you know including Vader he goes man the crowd loved it you know what I mean like the crowd that we're in front of they were adoring us they were doing this is awesome chants and holy shit chants and, and just going nuts and again, Give the guys a standing ovation when it's over whatever you know whether or not you like it or i like it or somebody you know that hasn't watched wrestling in 20 years likes it or if an ex-wrestler likes it or whatever if in that moment that crowd is enjoying what you're doing isn't that really all that matters uh
1: it it is i think that um again though i it's hard to just put a blanket on that because i again i do think context always matters but yeah for the most part you, you look that's the other aspect that I don't think I'll
0: those people aren't going to not buy tickets ever again because of that no, they're going to buy more you, you tickets know, because of that. they match. standing ovation. This is awesome. I can't wait till Ricochet or Rosemary is coming I back. Mean, I, I'm assuming that was the reaction, not. Oh, my God, that was the greatest thing ever. I'm never going to wrestling ever again. Thank God. It's yeah, like, my you know, suspension
1: of disbelief is blown because they both did double. Yeah, first time. I'm
0: going to give a standing ovation Then I'm the fuck out of here and I'm never coming it's, back. It's again. the
1: thing about it is it's like they literally chanted. This is awesome in Japan in Cork and Hall. I mean, how cool is that? How cool was that moment where they're seeing these two, uh, you know, Gaijin wrestlers, and they decided to give it the Gaijin flavor and do the Gaijin thing? That—that's
0: respect, right there. That—that's as much respect as 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 you can possibly give. give.
1: That's no different than two Japanese stars coming to America and everybody brings streamers. You know what I mean? It's like that. We want to do, you know, we've been watching this stuff on tape for how many years and we're hardcore fans and we want to give this the same environment that we've been watching on tape. How fun and cool was that that they were chanting this is awesome and you had the guy with the PWG shirt in the crowd. That put an enormous smile on my face. You know, that added to the whole flavor of the match. That just You couldn't watch this match without a giant smile on your face, you know? And, and, you know, that really added to its too, seeing how those people were having so much fun seeing something that they've probably been, you know, that, that dude in the crowd probably buys his PWG DVDs and has his fucking North American version DVD player and fucking, and he's a maniac. That
0: loves Brian Cage. That guy cannot wait for Brian Cage. To cannot to wait for
1: Brian Cage. And he's, <laughs> and a lot of the fans there are probably maniacs like we are here who who go out of their way to watch all this shit in the middle of the night and it's just, ah oh man, that just put a smile on my face seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that definitely added to the aura of the match,
0: so yeah, and that's, I, I thought, uh, you we mentioned the respect thing, and I thought that was an important thing. And I believe Ricochet mentioned that as well, is that, he was sort of taken aback by that, because if they react that way to you, and it's not like, yeah, people kind of roll their eyes at this is awesome chance a lot, because you hear it in every American show, every, you know, but this is different. This is in Cork and Hall. These people are doing it out of respect for the. It's not just a. I mean, again, how often do you hear this is awesome chance in Japan? You don't. Like, <laughs> it, it was an ultimate respect thing for these two foreign workers that are in front of them that are doing something that they enjoy, and they said, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna cater to you. We're gonna show our respect to you by doing the chant that you guys get or the chant that that you guys in America America will do if this match is awesome or whatever. That's the ultimate respect right there. I mean, that, that, that is it right there. That, that is, if you need a representation for what this match did for those people in the crowd or what this match did in general, it's that right there. The holy shit and this is awesome chants from a Japanese crowd to two foreign workers. That's it right there. And
1: here's the thing. It was awesome. So I don't have a problem with it. You know what i This is awesome. The, pro- the problem with the this is awesome chant is people do it when things aren't awesome. And I think that's what annoys people. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's an overdone chant. Because they just chanted all, I mean, they chanted at the Impact Zone, you know, when fucking Magnus is wrestling whoever the fuck. <laughs> in a,
0: in a, you can't even name another. You know what I mean? In a match, you're going <laughs> to. three TNA wrestlers that aren't, uh, that aren't Hardys. Magnus, Magnus. Magnus
1: isn't even there anymore, but I just. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know, I was going to say, a great, great example. You
1: know, or it's like, it's just. It just
0: Crazy like, Steve and uh, DJ Z is still hanging around, right?
1: Yeah, in some X division yeah. match that's <laughs> there you that's go. two and three quarter stars, and you know, you know, it's like that's why people get annoyed.
0: As he does a plunge and everybody just loses their shit. <laughs> this was
1: this was a lot like Fantastica Mania, where they were doing all the lucha libre chants, and they were, you know, yeah. remember Ultimo Guerrero at this year's Fantastica Mania? You know where he pumps his arms up in the air. OK, and when the entire Cork and Hall were pumping their arms up in the air, like, do you see the big fucking smile on his face when they were when they were like doing his taunt? And he was a heel and he was working as a heel. And this guy had a fucking shit eating grin on his face. That's fun, man. This is why you love it, Rich. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's fun. You know, it's the same deal here. Like you know, these the fans were just having fun and getting into it, and the match was awesome. And this is the people in that building saw something special, and they're never going to forget that. And um, I and I actually think that these two have more in the tank against each other, and I think they have b- bigger and better things planned. And mm-hmm. and they're both real cocky motherfuckers. So don't think, don't think for one second. They're going to troll in their next match, and I bet you the opening sequence has twice as many fucking flips, <laughs> and, 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 and good for them.
0: You don't like- oh, Osprey didn't wait, didn't wait 24 hours before he started throwing shit at Vader. I mean, Jesus.
1: Yeah, he did the Vader bomb the next night, which I thought, again, was a lot of fun, and I thought it was funny. Yeah. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Hilarious, you know, it's, 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 it's taking things in stride and, uh, and it's having fun. And the best was Trent wanting well, no part of it. Trent's <laughs> like,
0: stage. I'm staying out of it. I
1: didn't, notice. I don't want to
0: burn any bridges, man.
1: <laughs> I didn't notice till Alan pointed it out. But, but you, if you go and watch that gif of him doing the Vader bomb, pay attention to Trent on the apron. He's got his head turned the other way and he puts his head down and visibly shakes his head and face palms while Will is doing the Vader bomb, which I think is, <laughs> is fucking hilarious.
0: And again, it works for the story, too, that everybody's kind of like, ah, this guy's such a little idiot. Like, this Asprey, I mean, it, he's just a little d- dweeb, you know what I mean? He's this little baby that just... And I thought the aspect of this match, too, where he's just swearing out... Like, him saying motherfucker just sounded like the lamest, like... You know, the, like I think you equated it to like his mom wasn't there or something like that. So he finally felt comfortable to swear, but he's so uncomfortable swearing that it was just like, all right, well, we get it, man. Like, all right, cool, because he was like, "Hey, motherfucker," and I was like, "All right," like it was like embarrassing that he was swearing. You know what I mean? And that's cool. I I like that aspect of his character.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't. I can't. I can't. Take, he's
0: an absolute dweeb. Like
1: <laughs> I can't take credit for it. It Was someone else on Twitter who made that? Okay, but, right. but I don't remember who. But um, but yeah, it that's exactly what it is. But yeah. So anyway. That well, was a great match. I thought the uh, the idea that everybody was arguing about the match was overblown. I don't I don't think people were really arguing about the match all that much at all. I think the argument spiraled into uh, bigger bigger picture wrestling discussion is what it kind of spiraled into. And in reality, even that stuff, I mean, is is just crazy overblown in terms of. Uh, you know, first of all, anyone who says that any that they're killing the wrestling business, I can't take those people seriously. I mean just come on. Get lost. People, the fact of the matter is, OK, you, you may not like it, but to say it's killing wrestling and all that, every generation says that. Every previous generation says that about the current generation. I remember Luthez, and I went digging looking for it, but I remember Luthez, and, and it always stood out to me. He was calling 19, early 1990s WWF wrestling choreographed tumbling. <laughs> okay, early 1990s WWF. Oh, yeah. And Luthes was calling that choreographed tumbling. Okay, it's yeah, Warlord versus Hercules. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's like he was calling, you know, 1990s wrestling choreographed tumbling, which was Vader's era. And now Vader's era is done, and he's calling the next era choreographed dancing or choreographed tumbling or whatever the hell. Um, it, it's like every generation does that to the next. So it's like it, – th- here's what I think it's time to do. Here's what I think if you're listening to this. When people start going on and on about you know back in the day or this current generation of wrestlers, it's time to no-sell that shit because it's never going to stop. The wrestlers of today, the ones that we're putting over on this show are going to say that about the wrestlers of tomorrow, it is going to happen. The,
0: We're going to do it too. I can't wait for us to be the, crusty old the men. Cycle, but, I mean, you're already old, but yeah. Cycle. Not crusty is, yet.
1: This cycle is never going to stop. And I'll tell you what. It, it's like it's sometimes I say it all the time. And, and you know, here's the other thing too. Even the old timers are putting this match over, though, which shows you if you watch the match, it isn't what people are saying that they that that, that, that fit Finley's putting the match over. Jim Ross put the match over. Jim Ross. William Regal put the match over. Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, there's the smoking gun right there. Once, once Minoru is chimed in, I think we can all go home now.
1: You know, so it's like, it's, it's the old generation always puts down the next generation. I dug up some quotes. Check out these quotes. Okay, I got some quotes here for you, Rich. Uh, and of course, I lost my page now. Okay, here we go. This is uh, This is Jerry Jarrett in 1991. Okay, here's what you had to say. This is an interview with Wade Keller. Wade Keller, and I quote, and here's his question. What about wrestlers who are doing things that just weren't done 10 or 20 years ago, such as Jushin Liger or Cactus Jack? (laughs) The argument there is if the style is incredible, people won't stop their cars on the freeway to watch the fake fight. Where do you find a balance between credibility and outrageousness? Okay, now, first of all, that's the end of Wade Keller's quote. The stuff Jushin Lager and Cactus Jack were doing when Wade Keller asked that question it, it, it doesn't even compare to what you saw in the Will Ospreay-Ricochet match. So anyway, here's Jared's answer. Quote, I sat in on the National Wrestling Alliance meeting as a kid, literally as a kid, and heard this same thing discussed about Argentina-Raca. They said, he's killing the business with that aerial shit. I'm telling you, Wade, the wrestling business doesn't change. Everything is relative to its day – and Argentina Raqqa set the wrestling world on its ear because he was such an aerial artist. Jerry Jarrett is a guy who fucking gets it. it. And yep. he got it in 1991. You know why? Because he heard the same bullshit argument sitting in an NWA meeting when the NWA promoters were, were moaning about Argentina Raqqa because the guy dared leave his feet in a wrestling ring. Okay, And it's the, it, this is the, it, just will, it will continue forever. It's never going to stop. I mean Jarrett goes on. I mean, I think this is important too. He says, sure, hell. You think we need to go back and have a 16-foot pole vault record? I listen to ESPN and I get a kick out of them arguing about whether Muhammad Ali could beat Joe Lewis. Well, Joe Lewis told me something riding in a car in Memphis uh, to referee our matches. Me being a stupid mark and asking Joe, Joe, who would have won the fight, Joe, between you and Ali? He looked at me and he said… In track, every year records are broken. In baseball, every year records are broken. Any sport that is able to be measured, every year the athletes are better. Muhammad Ali would have knocked me out in the first round. (laughs) Y'all get the all-timers who will argue until you're blue in the face, but Jerry, every year the athletes are better than the previous year. And this is back to Jarrett. When you think about that, anytime there's a sport that can be measured, you can put a tape measure to a javelin and the discus, you can put a stopwatch to the runner. Everything that can be measured, the athletes are better today than you've ever seen. So why do we want to ground the wrestlers and say that's too many drop kicks? Do I really need to say anymore?
0: Look at Mr. Progressive Jerry Jarrett. We gotta get him on the show here. Okay.
1: Well the reason being because you have to remember. <laughs> Jerry Jarrett yeah. got a lot of shit from his fellow promoters because he was doing brass knuckle matches and concession stand mm-hmm. brawls and fucking cage matches and guys were going through tables. And all the other promoters were saying to Jerry Jarrett, they, they were saying, Jerry, you're killing, the business. You're, killing yeah. the business. you're doing too much. And Jerry Jarrett's responses were, uh, you know, well, actually, you know what? I don't have to paraphrase, Rich. You enjoying this? I'll give you the damn quote. Here's what Jerry Jarrett had to tell you about <laughs> yeah. that, okay? Uh Wade's question, is there a difference between wrestling in the ring today and 1983 or earlier? Is today's wrestling a little faster paced and less realistic? Keep in mind, this interview is from over 20 years ago, Rich. Does any does this shit sound familiar? It never fucking stops. Here's Jarrett's answer. Let me tell you a story, Wade. I told you about the relationship I had with Eddie Graham. We were very close. In 1978, 1978, (laughs) Eddie Graham had a plane, and he called me and said, Jerry, I want to pick you up in Nashville and take you to Memphis with me. I said, okay. On the way down, he said, I want to get you way up here so that you'd know I wasn't telling anyone else this, and I just wanted you to know it. You were killing the wrestling business. I said, what do you mean, Eddie? He said to me, all this shit you're doing in Memphis, chain matches, scaffold matches, coal miners glove matches, you've just carried it too far. I turned to Eddie and I said, well, I'm making a lot of money, Eddie. And I don't think so. (laughs) I think a good movie is a good movie. Whenever I see this movie, the more adventure or the more action, it won't preclude me from coming back. I can tell you that. Nick Goulis and Roy Welch are absolutely up shit's Creek if they try to get another booker to follow me. I think only I can follow myself. That story, Rich, is from 1978. 1978. They were telling Jerry Jarrett he was killing the business. Did the business die after 1978? Did we not have two enormous boom periods, the two biggest boom periods in wrestling history after 1978, 20 years after 1978? This shit is never going to stop. It is time. Everybody listen to this. Listen to me. Listen to me good, okay? It is time to stop selling this shit when people say it. It's time to just ignore it, okay? They're just repeating the cycle of history, and they never learn from it. Dave Meltzer sent out a tweet earlier this week. He said in 1979, people were telling Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat they were doing too much, and they were going to kill the business. Those are regarded as some of the greatest matches of all time. Guys, it never stops. Ignore these goofballs. If people want to put on cement, if they want to put their feet in cement in whatever year they choose to plant themselves in, let them. It's time to ignore them. Don't get in these petty arguments with people who do not learn from history, who will refuse to learn from history. And, and, and Rich, like you said, one day we're going to be grumpy. I hope that God never – I hope I'm 80 years old and I'm still changing with the times Okay, and, and, and accepting the evolution and the progression of professional wrestling Okay, because yesterday's arm drag is today's flying head scissors. Deal with it.
0: I, I would ask, yeah, because I, I agree. But what would you say to the people that say, oh, you know, it's not always evolution if they feel like it's going backwards or if it's not good or if it's not, uh, you know I what I mean? Like say, it's not, if, yeah, you know, this. you know what I'm talking I about. Do. People say it's negative. You know, evolution isn't always a positive That's thing. True. It can be you, a you, negative listen, thing, too. You, yeah,
1: I, I always the word that always gets me in trouble is progression. You can consider it regression if you want. What you cannot deny, what you cannot argue is wrestling is in a constant state of evolution. Yeah, you cannot okay. deny that. Whatever the second worked match was ever, and I don't know what it was, whatever the second worked match was in wrestling history, that's when the evolution to ricochet Will Ospreay began. You could either accept that or you can live in some crazy world of denial. Now, you don't have to like it. You can think it's regression. You can go find another hobby. That's fine. But it, it, but it, the evolution will not ever stop. Okay. I talked about this with Alan on the DKP show, and he said, Joe, you know, uh, he I, I, I'm paraphrasing Alan. He said something to the effect of the wrestlers can't do more than they're doing now. But my counter argument to that was people thought no one could do more than what Jushin Liger was doing. Mm-hmm. People thought no one could do more than Jimmy Snuka jumping off the cage. There's always something more you can do. There's, oh, records will always be broken like Jerry Jarrett. Just, like Joe Lewis said to Jerry Jarrett. Joe Lewis said Muhammad Ali would have knocked him out in the first round. And he said the, the, the track records are always going to be broken. He's right. Okay? You know, people always say there's a limit to how fast a a human being can run the 100 meter dash. At some point, the record can't be broken. Bullshit. Why can't someone do it a hundredth of a second faster? Why not? You know, if the human race exists for another million years, I have no doubts that we'll be running the 100 meter dash in in, in two seconds. Why not? We keep getting bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah, right. Evolution never stops. It's never going to stop. It's up to you to decide whether it's progress or regression. I think where a lot of these people who get mad at the modern spots get mad at is here's the thing. If, you're, if your mode of thinking stopped in 1986, I can understand why you would think that these guys didn't sell enough in the match or they didn't sell long enough after certain spots. Well, what you have to understand is these spots that – would have been the most tremendous spots ever in 1986, they're arm drags now. You see what I'm saying, Rich? The flying head scissors countered into the other guy doing the flying head scissors, which in 1986 would have been a match ender. That's the equivalent to an arm drag in 1986. That's why they don't have to lay on the mat and sell it for 15 minutes. That's not the big spot anymore. And I think that's where people who preferred older wrestling yeah, people get
0: upset by that because that, yes. that's it, it's it's it, it's and it happens to all of us. It, it honestly, a lot of us, you know, it for music, it's happened with me. I modern, I, I can barely like I, I, you know, me, I'm a huge hip hop fan. I love rap. I cannot listen to modern rap really. Any I, there's a few that I can listen to because I am stuck and I, I admit it. Like 2005 was my pinnacle of like hip hop. I, I, the stuff now it just doesn't connect with me. It and I, I readily admit that I don't listen to the new stuff. I go, you know what, you guys enjoy it and knock yourself out. That's great. It's not for me. It, it's just something clicked in me and I just can't do it anymore. I just fundamentally. It doesn't sound right to me. It just sounds weird. I, I just don't like it. I don't like the style. And, and that's fine. Like, I have just accepted that and I've moved on and I've sort of said, I don't go onto hip hop blogs and go, oh, this sucks. What are you doing? How are, dare you listen to this? You know, listen to this, you know, Talib Kwali album. That's much better than this shit or whatever. Like that. Y- y- and, and, you know, to my credit, I think to my credit, I've just said, you know what? Hey, this is not for me anymore. It's a young man's game or whatever. And I've gotten out of it and I just don't follow it like I used to. I was a huge hip hop fan. That was all I listened to for a while. Now I listen to a bunch of other stuff. I go back and listen to old stuff, because there's still stuff I've never even listened to before. So I've always been able to sort of do that. And and I hope that with wrestling, because it's now at a period where I've been, I've went through many different ebbs and flows of wrestling, and and you have as well. I hope that it never happens to me, where I always say, okay, what's the new thing? Hey, what's going on? What's the new style? What are people doing? And, and, And that I always will be able to be okay with that. And, and but it might not happen. I don't know. This could be my pinnacle. And then in 2026, I can go, oh, man, you know, when it was just Ricochet and Ospreay, that's when wrestling was wrestling, man. Like, that's when, you know, they didn't, you know, <laughs> they didn't jump off the scaffolding every 20 seconds or whatever the hell the, the evolution will be. We don't even know what it is. We, don't even we have know. no clue. We don't even know. So I, I've always tried to reconcile that with some certain things. There are aspects of media or whatever that I've sort of said, hey, look, this is this – is, it has passed me by. I am not into it anymore. And it's whatever. I've just kind of distanced myself from it. And, and I, I don't deal with it anymore. I don't kind of – and I'm not saying people shouldn't criticize certain things. But there's a there's an issue of criticism versus just if you're not going to like it and you know you're not going to like it, what, what's the point? You, you know what I mean? Like what are you doing? Why are we wasting everyone's time? If you just don't like it, just don't like it and don't watch but it. I, it's fine. I really,
1: think, I really think that those people could enjoy modern wrestling if they would get it out of their heads – that, you know, the Hurricane Rana off the top rope that ended the match for Jushin Lager in 1991 that people were complaining about, by the way, isn't a match ender today necessarily. They have to get past that. They have to understand that because of the way things have evolved, that's no longer the biggest, craziest, most impressive looking spot you can do. So that's not going to end a match necessarily. If you can get past that, what happens is if your mind gets stuck in a certain era – then all of the the sensibilities from that era are what's or what you're stuck with. Open up your mind and just and just and just accept that things have pushed have pushed forward now. And I think it will be easier for those people to enjoy it. But at the end of the day, fuck them. You know, wrestling to me is great. I watched a match today that we might talk about later. That's Sekimoto Miyahara match. Yeah. Which I watched it on my phone at work, and I I just I tweeted out I love pro wrestling. I just I love it. Because I watch this stuff and it's it's just great, you know. And, and I I never want to be that guy who gets stuck in the I don't want to be the guy who gets stuck in the 2016 mindset and can't enjoy wrestling in 2026. I don't ever want to be that guy, you know. I'm always going to keep an open mind, and maybe it will pass me by. I can't. I don't know if it. I I hope it doesn't. But I I, I live in fear of that. I don't want to be that guy. I want to be open minded to what's coming next. Okay, and I think that over the last 30 years of me watching this shit, I have been open minded to what to what has come next. You know, so I don't know. But but my plea to everybody is just don't engage in that shit. It's history repeat for people. It's like these guys. It's like for people who are so in tune with history, they don't see it repeating. They're just repeating the same history.
0: All right, and we'll move on uh, from this, of course, because I like, again, like you mentioned, a lot of people love this, but I, I thought this was an important conversation that we had to have, and we sort of were talking about it. But for the most part, everybody really enjoyed this match. So it's, it's you know, again, we're sort of we're, we're, we're playing to the critics in some way. But again, we, we, we sort of spent a, a lot of time talking about how much we love this as well. Hey, I Rich, you know what my, you know know what my too, favorite so.
1: Spot Fest was of all time?
0: What was your favorite Spot Fest of all time?
1: And I think you're going to remember this one Akira Tozawa and BB Hulk versus Naruki Doi and Ricochet from 2013. Do you remember that crazy Dragon Gate tag match? I do. Where they just went insane for 20 minutes. That match, let me tell you, you know, that is the best example to me of a spot fest. How clean was the work in that match? Number one. How insane
0: was that? The one? Oh, this was the same one I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Crazy spots that they did. And it's like, just as a spot fest, which is what that was, I have no problem if anyone gave that five stars. Because you can't get any better as a spot fest than that.
0: Yeah, if you remember correctly, and I think this has actually been uh, Reddit. Uh, it was like a huge threat on Reddit because somebody linked to that match after listening to our show um, when we talked about it. Because I, I remember us saying it. I believe it was either a quote uh, for me or for you. I forgot who it was. Uh, I think it was, oh, actually, no, I did it in the match of the year because it was, I believe, my number one match of the year that year. I said, this is the best spot fest you will ever see. If you like spot fest style matches, this is the pinnacle. This is it. You know I mean? think it was from Kobe World. It was from Kobe World.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I mean, to me, that's. And I stand by that. I still think it's the best spot fest I've ever seen. I agree. You know, and they're, they're, again, I, I think it's like if if you just approach it from that manner, there's no way not to enjoy it. You know, it's like it's just just sit back and enjoy the fucking ride. You know, and, and that's all it was. It, that's all. You know, it was to me that's the best one. But uh, but yeah, I think uh,
0: I think we covered this pretty thoroughly. That is the match, yes. So we talked about that. Let's let's talk with some other best of the Super Junior stuff. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so I know a show is happening uh, tomorrow morning. So probably will have happened by the time a lot of you guys listen to this. So in case you go, oh, my God, you guys are idiots. This happened. This happened. We are recording on Wednesday night. <laughs> it is June 1st. So we June 1st, Wednesday night, just so you know. OK, just wanted to add that in. So when we talk about the blocks and, oh, this guy lost. What are you doing? You're an idiot. That's why you do. So uh, a little bit. Let's do a block update here. Uh, to get an idea of where everyone's at uh, and how bad I am at predicting uh, this tournament. Cue the Benny, uh, cue
1: the, the Benny Hill music. <laughs> we break this down. I, whoever, whatever, t- Twitter follower recommended that because we're <laughs> we're gonna confuse we're gonna confuse a lot of people in about two minutes.
0: We are. All right. So, Block A, Taguchi and Matt Seidel are tied at eight apiece. Kyle O'Reilly has six. Kushida has six. Rocky Romero has four. Bushi has four. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. David Finley, two. Gato, two. Block A, Joe, uh, is it playing out how you thought it would, or are you completely surprised by our top two, Seidel and Taguchi? Okay, so
1: first of all, four men are eliminated mathematically. Rocky Romero, Gato, uh, Finley, and Bushi are mathematically eliminated from winning the block. No one's eliminated from Block B yet, but four men are eliminated from Block A. And yes, I don't think anybody thought Bushi would be eliminated before he even wrestled his on the final night. I mean, that's crazy talk. He's got two matches left, and he's already out, which, which to me is insane. But there could be some backstory about that. you want to do that now, or you want to do it? Let's do that, let's do that in a do little it.
0: bit. Yeah, let's do it a little bit. Um, otherwise, yeah, Kushida at six, I, I think that's probably a safe spot for him. I don't think he's winning this thing, because of course it doesn't I make think, any sense. I think, so. I think
1: Bushi's going to spoil him on the last
0: night. Yeah. Uh, think, and think, then, think, then, here's
1: yeah. what I kind of think here, though. Well, actually, you want to do the B-block rundown and then go over.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. We'll, we'll go into more detail on those guys. Uh, and then, of course, Toguchi and Seidel. Uh, shocked at all hell that Toguchi's on top or that Seidel's tied with him? Or do you think it's sort of the, the Gato booking where that, you know, that surprise guy comes to the top and then he sort of falls back in the last few days? Actually. Or does win this whole thing? Who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: convinced Seidel's winning the block. And okay. I, think now that I think they're going to do Seidel versus Ricochet in the final. That's where I think it's going. Mm. Because like that. Yeah. if you look at this, um, I, if you look at this, O'Reilly is out. And I'm going to tell you why O'Reilly's out. O'Reilly is out because he is um, two points behind... This is where you can cue the music, by the way. Yeah. O'Reilly... <laughs>
0: I don't have it, so I'll just do it on my own. <laughs>
1: O'Reilly is two points behind Seidel. He lost to Seidel, right? Yeah. And Seidel, if I'm not mistaken still has a match with Finley, which he's not going to lose. Yes. So you can kiss O'Reilly goodbye. Because yeah.
0: Seidel, uh, yeah. O'Reilly has a match against Finley too, but yeah. It, it like won't said, matter, it matter
1: because yeah. if Seidel beats, wins another match, O'Reilly can't catch him and because he can only tie and he loses the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So because Seidel, and Seidel...
0: does have Kushida as well. So that will be a big one um, as well when that does happen.
1: Yeah. So. so unless Finley pulls an enormous upset and look, Finley beating Gato means nothing in terms. Look, it, I, don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean it means nothing. It means a lot for Finley. Okay, it does. But Gato was never going to factor into the end here. And Gato and, and Jado are like the two most unselfish bookers of all time. He doesn't care that he lost. He, they were going to throw Finley a win, and it was, it, it was going to be against Gato. I mean, let's face it. So, But Finley is not beating one half of the IWGP junior tag team champions. So you could forget it. Kyle O'Reilly's toast. Which is crazy because he got off to that 3-0 and start and everybody thought, yep, eh, yep, they're going full steam ahead with Kyle O'Reilly again. But Seidel's going to beat Finley and that's going to be the end of Kyle O'Reilly. That's why I say I think Seidel is winning the block because I think they're setting up Kushida to get spoiled by Bushi on the last night. And with Bushi being eliminated, Bushi could easily win that match and not affect anything else. And I really just don't think that they're going to put Taguchi in a final. And I kind of think – since I think Ricochet is going to win the B block – I think that Seidel versus Ricochet is a pretty interesting final. So that's where I'm yeah. kind of going with that. What do you think about that?
0: Uh, no, I, I like it. it. It's a pretty decent one. The, the issue, well, then who wins? Or, like, in your prediction, who would win? Would it be Seidel that wins and gets that title shot? Well. Or do you have Ricochet do it? I mean, I, mean,
1: I would prefer that Ricochet win
0: because I think that. God, somebody turned your car off. Can you hear that? I, very loud.
1: You know, is that okay. an old school car alarm?
0: Yeah, it is. And it's like very far down the block. Do people and even
1: I, have those anymore?
0: I don't know. Why do you have a car alarm? Do you remember? Nobody nobody reacts to a car alarm. Like, I forgot what comedian was it. It was probably some terrible comedian, but maybe it was a Dane Cook or someone like that. I I forgot. Or maybe Louis C.K. I forgot who did it. But somebody basically said, you know, nobody reacts to a car alarm like, oh my God, that car is being stolen. Everybody just goes, shut that fucking thing off. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody is like, oh dear, I wonder if that car is being stolen.
1: And I I think that's why they kind of went away, right? I mean, no one even has those things.
0: It's lost the reaction. Like, I'm not going to go, oh my God, what's going on? Someone's robbing a car over there. I'm like, oh, come on. What are you doing? Do you
1: remember (laughs) at peak car alarm time, maybe 15 years ago? Where it was nonstop car alarms like every two seconds. Like the wind. The
0: supermarket, yeah, supermarket parking lots were just a, a mass of just car alarms. Just
1: car alarms going, going off because they were so sensitive. Everyone was so, you know, I got to get the best car alarm. I, like yeah, the a
0: squirrel would drop a nut on it and it would st- Go blaring I mean, for you're, twenty. You're not th- kidding. Straight.
1: Like a bird would take a shit on the windshield and it'd go <laughs> off. The wind would blow and the fucking car alarm would go off. You know, I lived in like a lower class area when I was a teenager, and and you know, so everyone had the, you know these car alarms, and you know, you, you just not
0: very nice to say about New Jersey, sir.
1: Hey, listen, I, I tell the truth about my upbringing, man. <laughs> we were lower middle class. You know, I, I I Joe Lanza did not have the loot growing up. Okay, you know, so uh, you know, I shared a bedroom with two brothers. You know, until I was uh, twenty years old. So believe me, but uh, but yes. Yeah, so, So, you know, these car alarms, I mean, anything would set them off. But, yeah, so – anyway, yeah, so that's kind of what I think how it's going to play out now uh, just looking at this. And, of course, I think it's B-block that's probably going to go off after most people listen to this. Mm -hmm. So I can't even blame, you know, tonight's events if my Seidel prediction goes terribly wrong. But uh, I believe his – actually, he faces Kushida next, and he doesn't – he gets Finley on the last night. Right. So – that kind of gives me some pause because they're not – if he's going to win the block, he's not going to have some big dramatic match against David Finley. So now I'm questioning myself. You know what? Taguchi might win this fucking
0: – You got Bushi and Taguchi. I think – is that the la- – I, I forgot what night that's going on. Is that the last night? No. I don't no, have no, the no, schedule no, in front Because
1: Bushi has Kushida on the last night. Oh, of course. Yeah, it does. So duh, Taguchi okay. has Gato on the last night, and I was thinking Gato is always – especially
0: – Oh, he does, Gato yeah. can
1: upset anyone. You know what I mean? So it's like uh, – I don't know, man. You know, will they have, will they have Seidel? Do you think they, here's what they can do though. They could have Seidel beat Finley early in the night and then have a situation where if Kushida, Kushida beats Bushi, he moves on, but then Bushi spoils him. That's plausible, right?
0: Yeah, we we always sort of talk about that, that it's kind of a back, you know, back way of, of doing it. But if the story, if the lar- overarching story is to have Bushi, you, you know, and Kushida have a rematch at some point, then, yeah, I think that works. I mean, so it's not great for Seidel, but, you know, I, there's not really many stories. I mean, we're, we're talking right here. The stories left to be told are Taguchi wins this thing, which that, that just seems so implausible. You know what I mean? Like, I, I cannot fathom uh, that being a thing. And so it might be the story where Seidel just kind of wins and waits, and then he gets in that way. I. You know, and it's not like that, you know, he, then he goes to the finals, and then it's not a, a foregone conclusion that he wins the whole thing or the wins the whole tournament. He just wins the block, which I guess that's not the worst thing in the world to win a block that way, but... Yeah, so... Um, let me make... There's really nothing else. Yeah, there's unfortunately, there's no other scenario. So it's either, like you said, it's Suguchi wins the damn thing, or, yeah, it, or... Or, that's,
1: you know, or the Seidel scenario plays out the way we said it. That's really the only two options here.
0: Unless Kushida just sweeps the whole thing, and then that'd be silly.
1: Well, let's figure it out. If Kushida wins his last two matches, that gives him...
0: Uh, he would beat Seidel and Bushi, of course. He 10 so that points. Would give, yeah, because he only lost to O'Reilly and Romero, uh, Romero and they're not going to have tiebreakers um, at that point. So if
1: he's got – if Kushida two. has 10, okay, will he have wins over Taguchi and Seidel at that point, even if they have 10? He will. All right, so then he'll win the tiebreaker versus both of those guys. Um, O'Reilly can, like, lose to Romero or whatever to get him out of there. Um it, it, O'Reilly's toast. That's I think that's ever, done. Yeah, right? it's it's over. Yeah. So if we get Kushida to ten, if he sweeps his last two and gets to ten, he'll have the wins over Taguchi and Side L. But Taguchi and Side L will both have to split, okay? Because if they if either of them sweep, but but one of Side L's matches is against Kushida, so that takes care of that. And yeah. Taguchi's two matches are Gato and he's Bushi. got
0: Bushi and Gato. yeah.
1: So and he could conceivably split again with that too. So you're right. I don't think we're looking at Taguchi. I think we're looking at Seidel or Kushida. Kushida Mm -hmm. has to sweep right through. So maybe they'll have the scenario laid out where, well, no, they can't. It would have to come down. If Kushida goes into that final match against Bushi, and that's the main event, and he needs to win, there has to be someone who will move on if he loses. Well, actually, yeah, if he loses, he doesn't get to 10. So it does make sense, right. you know. Yeah. It might be. I'm. Cha- I changed my mind. Oh. <laughs> I think Kushida's going through, but I. I, I right. Really was married to that idea of Seidel versus Ricochet. I think that'd be a fun fight. That's cool.
0: It's it'd be fun. It'd be different.
1: All right. So.
0: Kushida, that's a little. Yeah, his is a little. That's a little not very fun if he's in there. But you know, I, I don't think he's going to win the whole thing. I think whoever he faces in that match will will beat him, and then they have a natural rematch right there. But that remains to be seen. Well, you we got Block B. So I do too. Bit. But
1: see, if Ricochet, well, let's say Ricochet wins it, right? Yes. I'd rather have Ricochet beat Seidel and then face Kushida rather than them face each okay. other twice in a row. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I'm, I, here's the thing. I'm rooting for Seidel. I think Seidel facing Ricochet is the most interesting final.
0: But then again... I said, I also have a good, Seidel's had a really good tournament, too. And I think we'll talk a little bit about those guys here in a little bit because I think we have to, reactions about some of the guys as well. We're, right now, we're just doing kind of block scenarios and that. But I do want to talk about individuals that have really excelled in this tournament because there's been a lot. This is, I, I think, without question, the best best of the Super Juniors I've ever seen.
1: This is the best... Top to bottom, super juniors. In in reason, I, I would really have to think hard. It's definitely the best in the New Japan World. It's the best in the Okada era. There's no question about that.
0: Fair, yeah. Okay.
1: If, if I had to go back further, I might be able to find one. But let's talk about Block B. Yeah,
0: let's talk about Block B. So, of course, you have Ricochet at the top uh, with six points. Uh, you got Beretta. Juice and Thunder Liger, Valador Jr., Bobby Fish, Chase Owens, and Tiger Mask all tied with four. Uh, and then uh, young Willie Ospreay at two. Only two for Will Ospreay. Now, now here's the thing. Ospreay's not out. No. Because, it, because there's,
1: <laughs> there's three matches left in this block. So he can sweep and...
0: Get, Reminder, it is Wednesday night when we're talking about this. Okay, just thought I'd let that in there just in case. Okay, go he ahead. He
1: can get to eight is the point. Okay? And no one else is at eight yet. And... The, the block leader ricochet who has six he's got the tiebreaker over ricochet so if he so if ricochet goes one and two, Osprey sweeps through and this logjam jam of guys with four see that's the thing I think it's impossible for all of the others not to get to eight right in that scenario wouldn't somebody have to at minimum well they, they how many ma- they have three matches left right yeah so right. everyone else would have to go one and two at minimum and I guess it's mathematically possible for that to happen because Will Ospreay has a point 0.1% chance. He's not dead yet. So we don't have to go through it and figure it out. Someone else did the work for us. So that's the stature scenario right there. Osprey cannot lose another match. If Osprey loses another match, he's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Osprey sweeps through, Ricochet goes one in three one and two or worse. It, I guess it's possible that – every and everyone else goes one and two. Osprey moves on. Now, and I now think what we're ask, seeing – oh, go ahead. Do go you ahead. think that's impossible or do you think that's possible?
0: No, it's possible. I mean, and that's – I think one of the, the aspects, and that's what I was going to bring up, is the fact that I think – you know, people sort of rolled their eyes when Chase Owens was announced. And, oh, my God, why don't you just add Jay White? Why don't you just add one of the young boys? I think this scenario exactly, I don't know if this was their intention or whatever, but it, it might have been, is that having a young line in this match would have – you can't do this story. If, if Osprey is really going to rise like a phoenix and come through and, and, and with, uh, with an enormous rally or whatever, you cannot have a young boy in this because they're going to have sick falls unless you want to have Jay White win three matches or whatever in the last half. When you have a guy like Chase Owens who's a neutral guy who's just kind of a, a, a guy that's in there and if he wins – if he beats, you know, uh, if he beats somebody, it's fine. You you know, if he beats a Bobby Fish, it's not going to ruin the entire thing. Uh, You know, Bobby Fish can lose to Chase Owens. You know, that's what I think this B-block, and that's why any scenario is really out there, and that's why there are so many guys and nobody's dead, is that because you have nobody in this is an automatic loss. Beretta's not an automatic loss. Bobby Fish is not an automatic loss. Chase Owens, as we mentioned, is not. Jushin Thunderlager isn't. Ricochet isn't. Tiger Mask isn't. Fowler isn't. You, You know, any one of those guys can beat any other one of those guys, and nothing dramatically changes, or people don't go, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, this happened, you, you know, I mean, it, 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 that isn't a scenario. That's not possible. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's likely that Osprey could do it. I is he? I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like a decent story to tell. It, it takes some maneuvering to get there, but is, nothing is out of question. No, nothing in this block is out of question.
1: It's one of those deals where if this were in real sport, he would be writing him off because everything that has to happen would be just impossible. It wouldn't happen in a real sport. But this is a worked sport and you can right. control the outcomes, and you can set up a crazy story like this. And as far as Chase Owens, this is what I tried to tell everybody when he was named as the replacement. I said he, he scored eight points. He scored more points than the guy <laughs> he replaced the <laughs> right. year before. He scored more points than Nick Jackson. And he, he's a guy who, okay, I get that some people don't like the way he works. I, I happen to like him. I think he's pretty good for what he is. But here's the thing. Agreed. In terms of the booking, though, like you said, it's not outlandish for him to beat anyone. They respect him in the booking. He scored eight points last year, and he already has wins this year over uh, over Beretta. And Ospreay, he beat Ospreay. Yeah. Which will tell you that they'll put him over anyone. Now Ospreay... And he's
0: got Fish. He's got Fish, Ricochet, and Volador Jr. left.
1: And, and again... Chase Owens is the perfect guy to put in this tournament because he can beat or lose to anyone, and you can really <laughs> use a guy like that to manipulate the standings. Whereas, or
0: you couldn't do that with another young line. You I mean, not. you just could not. Could yeah, not.
1: It would change the entire dynamic.
0: You can have Ricochet lose to Jay White. You, know, like, you can't do that. Like, I
1: can tell you right now, if they had it their way, it wouldn't have been Finley in place for Matt Jackson. It would have been somebody else competent, so they wouldn't have to change any of the booking. But they had, they had to change all the booking for Finley. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no question about it because Matt Jackson wasn't going one and six. He was winning at least two or three matches, so, and, 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 and Finley's going uh, one, and, well, one and six. There's no question about it. So if you work this out, to me in block B, either the first-place guys winning this or the last-place guys winning this, I really think it's coming down to Ricochet and Osprey. I think the entire, that glut of two and two guys, I don't think any of them are winning this thing and, and moving on. I mean, because just look at the names. You're not putting Volador Jr., Beretta, Chase Owens, Bobby Fish, Jushin Liger, or Tiger Mask through. The only one that could go through is Liger, and recent history shows that they just don't do that with him. Um, and I don't know if, if this year is the year where you play that card, especially considering who could come out of the A block. Uh, is Liger, Matt Seidel, any kind of intriguing finals? Mm, it's weird. Not really, Liger, no. Kushida, they just did it. You know what I mean? They're not going to do it again. So I don't think this is the year that you put Liger through. The other guys, I think, are you know before the tournament we would have said none of them had a shot. So I think this is going to come down to what most people thought it was going to come down to, which is Ricochet and Osprey. So what to keep an eye on is what Ricochet's Ricochet needs to win two matches to eliminate Will, uh, no mm-hmm. matter what Will does, because Will cannot get to ten. But Ricochet has to get to ten because he loses the tiebreaker at eight, so he has to win two. So let's look at what Ricochet has left. He's got let's see.
0: He's got Beretta, Chase Owens, and Volador Jr. coming up.
1: Okay, you show me the two losses he's getting in those matches. I mean it couldn't
0: A uh, Beretta. You could you could have him lose to Beretta. Could. Yeah, I mean then that it could possibly lead to a you know Sidel Ricochet, Beretta, you know, Romero match. So I think he can do I that. I mean
1: he could uh, he could lose to any of those three, but wouldn't you be more comfortable if you were pulling for Osprey if he still had like Liger left? Yeah. Or, or
0: um, or fish yeah Volador is a tough one too but uh, yeah, you know. uh, yeah it, it's hard to see that it's hard to see I, I mentioned that Chase Owens could but it's just like in my mind I, I'm having trouble visualizing Chase Owens pinning Ricochet this, you, you know what I mean here's
1: what it comes down to let's look who they got the last night
0: Do you have that in front of you? I do not. <laughs> I was hoping you did. I could pull it up. Oh, God. Okay. All, All, right. All right. I got it. So the big key here... Turn your little typing machine there. All right. I got you. I got you. I got you. The, the,
1: the key here is who Ospreay and Ricochet are facing on the final night. So this way we can break down is Ricochet, face, what kind of spoiler is he facing, and what kind of opponent is... Because o- Ospreay doesn't exactly face a murderer's row in his last three either. He's got... Uh, Let's see. He's got... Well, he's got Fish... Liger, well, actually, he does a. He's got fish. He's got Liger, and he's got Volador Jr. I mean, on paper, I mean, he again, he could sweep that. But I'd be more comfortable right. if Ricochet had those opponents.
0: Here, here's your um, uh, B block match. Uh, Ricochet is against. It says here Nick Jackson, but of course that is Chase Owens. So Chase Owens would have to spoil Ricochet out of the tournament. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> like he. Uh, let me
1: tell you something. Uh, you don't. I yeah. tell you what. Who spoiled Taguchi on the last night last year? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. That's...
1: Okay, so who's, who's Osprey got? Uh, he's,
0: got uh, he's got Volador.
1: Okay, I can totally see Will sweeping through. And I think having Fish and Liger so late makes him look stronger towards the back end of the tournament when he gets those wins. And, and putting him against Volador on the last night, they're going to go out there and try to blow – tear the fucking house down. I think that was mm-hmm. on purpose too. And that's a guy he could obviously beat. They're going to go out there and have a tremendous match. They're going to have a spot fest, Rich. And then uh, I think it will come down to Ricochet and Chase Owens. And I tell you what, they kind of backed into something here. This is probably why Chase Owens has been booked so strong to this point. So people feel like he's a credible threat to beat Ricochet. And oh, by the way – in the back of those people's minds that he beat Taguchi last year in the same spot. So they kind of, kind of lucked into something there, okay? Now, here's what's interesting. I think before the Jacksons got hurt, we all kind of agreed that the Jacksons were going to spoil Ricochet and Seidel on that last
0: night, mm-hmm. right? They I can could do the same story now.
1: Just, they can't you know, do it with Seidel. Well,
0: well, not, not with Seidel, of course. Yeah. But right.
1: you can still do the same story in the B block. You don't have to tear up your B block if you're Gato. You had to tear up your A block. Because Finley is not beating Seidel. he's not. So that had to get torn up, and who knows what he's doing with that to get to where wherever he was going, which was probably Kushida. Well, we laid it out. We know how they can get to Kushida. I'm now more convinced than ever that
0: Kushida's winning there. Yeah, yeah. Now that we're sort of working yeah. through that scene, because it, yeah,
1: because Seidel was going to lose to Matt, and now he can still beat Finley, and Kushida can still move through based on the maneuvering that they, that they've done. So, but this is the block where, you know what? I think we're getting Kushida Osprey in the final. I think that's hey, I, I okay. sweat because I think I think they're gonna keep this block alone. I gonna keep that I think I don't think they changed a the damn thing about the booking. And I think is eating a package pile driver on that last night from Chase Owens. And Willow Spray is moving on. And I think we'll know even more when we see the match order. So mm-hmm. but that's what it's looking like to me. What do you think?
0: Uh, yeah I agree. Yeah, I I still think Osprey and and I've said that people are kind of laughing at at those who chose Osprey and our best of the super juniors pick him or whatever. But I still think. I mean they, they obviously think so highly of the guy and the story plays out perfect. And I'm still telling I'm still banging that drum that the story works, that he now comes out of nowhere, comes from behind. Underdog, you know, it, it just it, it plays itself out too well for him to not be that guy. Like to, to just have him be eliminated and be a nothing. Like I, I just don't get that. Like I, I just I can't fathom that scenario with what they think of this guy and 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 how you know what they have him for. I mean you got this guy do the most with him. Have him go out there. Have him just destroy everybody. Like I agree that maybe he shouldn't win the entire super juniors, maybe wait for the J Cup to get. But you know what? Hey, we we talked about that a few weeks ago. You know, strike while the iron's hot. While this guy's hot while this guy's not injured to go. I mean hey if you want to have that Kushida Osprey you know big match you want to have him win the junior title yeah, you know what? Hey re- go for it. I don't care. You, you know, you don't have to wait five months to do it. Do it now. I, you know, it, 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 I get it. I absolutely get it. So no, I think Osprey coming out of nowhere um, from behind the pack and just passing everybody and winning on the final. That to me, that's just too good of a story to tell with that guy that I thought that was, I thought that was always the story. Here's what it means though. Uh, Here's
1: on. what it means. It means he has to beat Kushida in the final. Right. And we already had, they already had a match. Then they'll, sure. then will be one, one, Going into his yeah. title challenge, does it bother you that they're going to have three matches in that short period of
0: time? Uh, no, it does not bother me that I get to watch Kushida and Will Ospreay three times. Okay,
1: I'm only bringing that up because that is going to bother people.
0: Oh, pe- oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Because you know how people feel about rematches. But do you think from <laughs> that pre- – I know you're laughing, but there's some – No, I know, there, there are people. And, and look, I'm not going to say that's not entirely valid, um, but – that is the one criticism if they go in that direction is you're getting three matches between those guys real quickly. Mm-hmm. Here's the wrench though. If this were any other year, but this is a J cup year. Could you see a scenario where Kushida beats Osprey again? Because they can set up a Kushida challenger in the J cup instead. Yeah, I could, I could too. Yeah. And it would also continue to put over the story of, you know, Kushida is just, uh, a dominant, they've, they've clearly been trying to tell this story of Kushida being the dominant champion, particularly with the win over Liger, with that strong win over Liger and the great match. And and it would also continue the Will Ospreay story of, you know, the cocky kid who isn't quite ready yet. So I can totally see that because it's a J-Cup year. If this wasn't a J-Cup year, I'd say no. The cha- Look, Kushida has to lose to whoever he faces. I mean, there's no way out of that. A J-Cup year, I'm not sure though, because I kind of thought Kushida's winning one of those tournaments. I'm I'm convinced of that. They're not going to have him lose both of those tournaments. Maybe it'll be the maybe it'll be the super juniors instead of A lot of people think he's going to be, the, but maybe it'll be the super juniors instead. You know? So um I I agree. I can see that I can see him beating Osprey here and winning this tournament.
0: And it's not unprecedented that guys have, you know, been the champion and won this thing. It doesn't happen often. Uh, I hey, think I'm trying to remember the. Prince list.
1: Devitt swept it.
0: Yeah, exactly. I know uh, Liger famously, you know, ninety four. He was the champ and he won it. I'm um, trying to think of the other guys off the top of my head. I think one, Tiger Mask was one of them, if I remember correctly. Um, and then, yeah, like you mentioned, I believe Dev at one of the years. I forgot which one exactly. Off the top of my head, not only did he remember, win, I'm but... pretty
1: sure he, I'm pretty sure, he, I'm pretty sure he won every match.
0: Let's see here. Let's go to Prince Devitt. Let's go to his history. He won in 2010 and 2013. Let's see 13. what year that was. It was 13. Okay. Uh, he yeah, 16. Yeah, nice. He beat Alex Shelley, Beretta, uh, some young boy. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's Takahashi. Uh Just another Liger, uh, Ricochet, Rocky Romero, Taiichi, and Titan. Or Teton. I don't know. I never knew how to pronounce that. But there you it's go.
1: It's Teton. Okay. I used to say Titan. People used to get mad at me.
0: I feel like people got mad at us when we said Teton one time, too. But maybe not. It's
1: Teton. Well, we're going to find okay. out soon because Cubs fan will hear this.
0: <laughs> that's what I'm, I think Cubs fan yeah. got mad at us for calling him Teton one I time. I think
1: it was Or no, Larry, who is Larry. that? No,
0: that's. Ah, who was that? There, yeah, he always calls us gringos. Uh, there's another guy that we always like try to g- add a little flair to, and it's not. I'm blanking Maybe on who it, it is. Maybe exactly. Teton. Maybe it's Teton. I think it is. It's I don't it's know. T-ton. It's him or someone else. Um, I like saying
1: Teton. It's fun.
0: Is it Virus? Virus? No, Virus. It's definitely Virus, right?
1: It's vi- I say Virus.
0: Is that the one that everybody gets mad at us?
1: I think it's Virus. I thought so too. It's okay, no it's not Virus, but I mean, you know, you gotta.
0: Yeah, no, you yeah. got to add a little flair to it. No, there, I forgot which there's there's, there's one Titan, name, but it's
1: Teton. It's Teton.
0: Yeah, there's one. There's one that we always get like and people this always is, make. I'm telling you, us, it's but.
1: Larry doesn't like us. Oh, fuck. A Teton. I'm, that's what it is, you know, because he's all Cuban and thinks he's special. You know what I
0: mean? Well, why, why doesn't he get special and get us those PWG reviews? I think he's Cuban.
1: That? No one knows what Larry is.
0: No. What, yeah, I'm not sure if he's Cuban or black. Uh, it's one of the two. I know guys. his
1: wife is Cuban. That's 100 percent certain. OK. And his, and his wife's father watches the Lucha. <laughs> but I don't know if Larry's Cuban – but here's the thing. Larry grew up in West Jersey by the by the river, which – northwest Jersey now. I know you don't know, but that is total white boy territory. That's all white people. Uh That's – yeah. So now it's not impossible that he's a black guy. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure like 1% of the population is black or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm sure like 0.2% of the population is Cuban. He could be one of those things. But based on where he grew up, I'm lean and white for Larry. But I think mm. I think the marriage to the Cuban wife.
0: Yeah, so he puts a little mu- mustard on his uh, sandwich and he thinks now he's a big hotshot Cuban. Yeah, he puts a little mustard yeah. on
1: the Cuban sandwich there.
0: <laughs> he puts not a Swiss it? cheese on there and all of a sudden he thinks he's a Cuban. Exactly. He's a white boy. Yeah. I, right. I
1: think, I think uh, Larry might be a green goat.
0: I don't like Cuban. I don't like Cuban sandwiches, by the way. No, the problem, I feel like I should. Oh, I, I
1: love I a good don't. Cuban sandwich.
0: Uh, I don't. I like the bread. I don't The Swiss cheese. I'm not the Swiss a Swiss cheese there. Oh,
1: come on. I yeah. like a nice Swiss. A lot of people are turned off by the pickle because Oh, I'm I'm team pickle, I don't care, I am team pickle too, but what a lot of people <laughs> Someone's gonna give it someone's
0: gonna grab that. Like, no question team pickle, no but question. yeah, but that's I right.
1: think what gets people about the pickle is people think that the pickle overpowers the rest of the sandwich.
0: You know what I mean? Not true.
1: When you take a bite and you get that
0: pickle and they're wrong.
1: I think the pickle enhances the rest of the sandwich. In my opinion. I don't think it overpowers it. Now you're not an onion guy. You think the onion overpowers the sandwich.
0: Yeah, and I think tomatoes do too. Well, it, it, it's a, it's a feel thing too. So I'm surprised I'm not upset more about the pickle. Maybe that, maybe the pickle is a real. Maybe I need to reconcile why I don't like it. It might be the pickle because I don't like biting into something and in like, it, it's like juicy. Right? That's why I don't like onions. That's why I don't like tomatoes. It may, but I like pickles. But I don't know if I like pickles on sandwich. Okay. And here's, the thing, and
1: here's the thing. A, a Cuban sandwich, that's one of those things you can't have special instructions. You can't walk into like a Cuban restaurant,
0: right? Oh, no, I I wouldn't dare be like, yeah, no Swiss, please. (laughs) No, because
1: it's fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that you got to – you either like it as is or you don't fucking eat it. In my opinion, you don't eat it. I don't think you fuck with that. You know what I mean? You got to eat it with the Swiss and the pickle and all that shit or you don't fucking order it. I I firmly believe in that. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm with you. I'm behind you there, Rich. You shouldn't eat the Cubans and you don't.
0: No, I don't. Had it a few times. Tried it. I like the bread. I like the meat. but I like the mustard, but no. Alright. So this tournament as a whole? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We gotta talk about guys. Guys are good. Tournament good. Let's talk about these guys.
1: I think, um, okay, so I really don't have a lot of complaints about anyone. I I, I, I firmly believe that the two replacements worked out better. I think that both Chase Owens...
0: Oh, God. oh, yeah. No question.
1: I think both of them, Owens and Finley, are having better matches than either Jackson would have because the Jacksons, while I love the Young Bucks as a tag team, I... They they don't do it for me as singles wrestlers, and neither one of them have ever had big-time Super Junior tournaments on their own. I thought Nick Jackson did not have a good tournament last year. In fact, it's the reason he unfollowed us on Twitter. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like
0: – He blocked us. He didn't even unfollow us. That's true. He blocked, true. Us. He blocked
1: us. Excellent point. Um, and, and, like we were talking about earlier in the show, he read one of our reviews, didn't <laughs> like that he got two and a half stars, and he took – and look, he's doing a gimmick. But he took the gimmick so far that he blocked us. Which
0: And, and Michelle is convinced he mean-mugged her uh, on the way at Global Wars because she was wearing the Voices of the Wrestling shirt. And she is convinced. I wasn't looking. I was doing whatever. And she said, oh, the one that doesn't like you, like, looked at my shirt and kind of smirked and went, and went the other way. I didn't see it. I can't confirm. But I, I don't know hey, why she alive about it. These are
1: that. two guys that are very in tune with social media. They know what's going yeah. on. They know who. Oh, they know. They, they know, know the logo, who we okay? are. I mean, Matt interacts with us. He he favorited your fucking wedding picture. Okay. Yeah. Matt. They know who we are. They know who they're shouting out Senior Lariato on fucking New Japan. Those two guys know what's going on. So I would not be shocked at all if he side-eyed her for wearing that shirt. That would not shock me at all. But but the point here is I think Chase Owens and David Finley were upgrades. Finley's having a great tournament.
0: I le- I think the seriousness that these guys add yes. has helped a lot. Like I don't for me, and I like the Unbox comedy, I like some of that stuff. I think in this tournament, though, it just I, I like just a down and dirty serious. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's fucking around. Like, we'll talk about another guy here. Taguchi isn't even, he's, he's down to yes. business. You know, he'll do his little shit here and there, but for the most part, he wants to win these matches. You know, sometimes you get this stuff where the Bucks are kind of, you know, and, and like you said, it loses a lot of its appeal in the singles matches. It, it works better as a tandem. It doesn't really work. And
1: not only that, team. in this situation, it's like having the same guy in both blocks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're having, it's both, no matter what night you're watching, one of the matches is taken down with that stuff because they're not even in the same mm-hmm. block. And you're right, Taguchi. He might come in with Big Bird on his head, blowing a flute, but when he gets in the ring, like you said, it's all business. Okay, the comedy has really kept to a minimum, and he's out there trying to win. And he's having excellent matches. Taguchi's having. A he's good been tournament.
0: great. He's been awesome.
1: Okay, so yeah, I mean, I, I thought the two replacements were absolute upgrades. I thought they would be before the tournament, and it is playing out that way. Who do you think has been the best guy in the tournament so far?
0: Oh, it's man, hard trying to, pick, to pick, right? One. It's really hard. Yeah, I got probably three names uh, off the top of my head. I think Kushida. Uh, I would probably put number one. I've just. I think he's incredible. I, I just think the amount of different types of matches and different styles of matches. I mean, you talk night one. That night one uh, against Osprey, that might as well have been you know months ago because it seems like so long ago. Because he said he's had ground matches with Toguchi. He's had a really good sort of old school heel face thing with Gato. Like, he's just able to do so many different styles and so many different things. I would, you know, he's the cheap answer, kind of maybe the easy answer, but he is definitely one that I put up there. Um, I've to I'm not a Taguchi guy at all. And I've had to eat my words in the, my last review. I said, I'm sorry I was wrong. He has been awesome. He's been really, really good. And and he's a guy that I haven't liked in years. Like it, it, you have to go back to frickin Apollo 55 stuff for the last time. I really like for a long time enjoyed a series of Taguchi matches, but I've enjoyed the hell out of what he's done um, in, in this tournament. Uh, you know, other than him, uh, you know, of course you have Osprey, but I don't even know if Osprey's in my top three. I think it would be Kushida, Taguchi, and then it might be Gato. <laughs> Gato's been awesome. Like, right? I, like, listen, Gato's the best. Gato, like, and I, I mentioned in my preview, I said, let's do not do, let's, let's please not do the, oh my God, it's so surprising that Gato's good again. Like, Gato's just good. Like, let's not even preface it I, anymore. Gato, Gato's good. Gato is BN. a good professional wrestler. And, right, yeah. And, Stop. Oh my God, I can't believe Gato. No, no, he's good. The end. <laughs> he's just a, good. Stop. A drum
1: that I've been pounding both on our message board and on Twitter is when you really look at the scope of Gato's career, I think he's underrated historically because you've got a guy who is one of the better tag workers of all time. You know, uh, not just with Jado, but with not just with Evil Ways, but with uh but I forget what Gato means. I know J- Jado means evil ways, Gato means like sneaky ways or something. But wouldn't it mean sneaky ways? I mean, I mean,
0: I mean with him, yeah. Sneaky ways, was- or whatever
1: the fuck it means. but um but also with uh Masato Tanaka and with Kush and with Okada. I mean, I always scream about that. No one watches the matches but me, but this guy's a great tag worker. And still at the age of 47, Rich, he goes out there every year and has two or three matches every year that either flirt with or surpass four stars as a singles wrestler.
0: Per uh, Google Translate, it means heretical doctrine. That's not, that's, Game. I don't that's think
1: that's it. Not <laughs> correct. But, uh, <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Are you sure? You cannot not Gato is true.
1: evil ways. I know that for certain. And Gato is something ways. <laughs>
0: Heretical doctrine. It's either
1: devious it's ways weird. or creepy ways or sneaky ways or grimy ways. It's something along those lines. But I think he's underrated historically. I don't think he gets enough credit. And he was always the better half of the tag team with Gato. I don't have anything against Gato, but he was never as good as Gato. Okay, Gato was always the better guy in that team. And um, I just don't think he gets enough credit historically. And he is having a really great tournament. I mean – you're
0: he, he surprised me. I went back and watched because I have that like J Cup uh, comp DVD or uh, Blu Ray or whatever, and I went back and he was in I believe the ninety five J Cup uh, if I remember correctly, and it, it's really good. Like he's he's awesome in it. It's like you're talking about a junior worker, like a high flyer. I mean, not, not a high flyer in the traditional sense, but as like a junior guy, he's right there with them too. I mean, he, he's one of the best in that and entire tournament. That was
1: tournament. chubby G- Gato, Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it might as well mistaken. not even be the same person. That yeah, was the oh. year he went to the final. Right. Um, Is that the one you're talking yeah. about? He went to the final. I,
0: I think either, so. Whatever
1: year he was in, he went to the
0: final. He, he lost to Liger. I don't recall when it was, but yeah. You might. No, he went to the. I think. Well, he went to the semifinals in '94, I believe. Then he lost to Benoit. Uh, I forgot what he did in '95. I know he lost to Liger. I don't remember uh, what part he was in, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but uh, but you, what you need to watch, Rich, and I don't know if you saw me talking about it with people, but believe it or not, he's got like five or six matches on the network. Um, he's got some like nitro, he's got a nitro match against Jericho with a badly blown spot that kind of ruins the match. But the match you need to watch rich is, uh, is, is world-class tag team against the impact players from ECW. And I forgot what pay-per-view it was on, but it's on the network. It's the first match that comes up. If you run a search for Gato, rich, let me tell you something. I don't know how I never saw this match or how maybe I did see it and I forgot about it. I don't know. This is a fucking legitimate, like four and a quarter star tag match. It, it might be the, <laughs> really? okay, it might right. be the best tag match I've ever seen in ECW, and and you know it's like, you know, and it's like even going back that far to like nineteen ninety.
0: Oh, it's a TNN. It's a TNN is show. Is that what it is? Yeah, so Apparently,
1: it's, it's, yes. Apparently, uh, yes. You know, wherever it was, but um, no, I'm. Oh, you know what it is? It was the TNN show showing pay per view matches.
0: Oh, okay. I see. I can't find. Yeah, when I did a search of Gato, uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling, it does not show up as being a pay-per-view. It just shows as ECW and TNN. Yeah, Who knows?
1: But, but yeah, the match is know, there, even, and that's maybe. the one you need to watch. But that's a killer match. And I was tweeting about it with uh, my pal uh, Aaron Quinn. We were talking
0: about it. And Rob... Was it about six minutes? Because it shows it's, six minutes here. Was it's it longer? Not,
1: it's not very long. I don't know. If it's
0: okay, long. then that might be it then.
1: But Rob Naylor jumped in, and he said it's his favorite ECW tag match ever. Period. So, and there is a hot tag in there where Gato fires up where it's just, it's just hmm,
0: I'm going to watch it after this Yeah,
1: but Gato, you know, it might be clipped actually. That might be why it's so sure. I'm not sure. It might be like one of them joined in progress deals. I don't remember, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he's just a great worker. And you just watched the match he had against Kushida before we started this podcast. Oh, how and good. we both agree. I think that's easily one of the top five matches of the tournament. You put it in your top three.
0: It might be. It's just like, it, it's a perfect... It, it, it's Gato being so smart in that match, too, and just being such a good you know, in the sense the quote worker. You know what I mean? Like there there's there's a part in it where Kushida's just beating him down and beating him down and beating him down. And you almost get a little bit of sympathy for Gato because he's just getting his ass kicked by this young guy or whatever. And then he turns into a complete slime ball. You know, he takes off the turnbuckle, he 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 stops Kushida's, you know, springboard by just slapping him in the back of the head or in the neck or whatever. And then they just grimy fuckhead Gato. And then by the end you just cannot wait for Kushida to tap him out. And it's like such a good little story there where for a second I was like, "Oh man," and like Crowd is even kind of like, "Oh, I don't really. I kind of want Gato to win," and then he's just like such a slime ball in the last half of the match. So you're like, "No, nah, crowd screw him." The, and Kushida locks him in, and then just like, yeah, fuck the you." The crowd transform like, at one point. Yeah, yeah, because he's down, and Kushida's sort of looking at the crowd, and, and he's beating his ass. I mean, Kushida has absolutely destroyed this guy for the first five minutes of this match or whatever, and the crowd is just like, oh, man, like this is like a brutal beating of this old man or whatever, and the Gato's just such a slimy ball that he does so many things that by the end, Kushida locks on the hoverboard, and people are going nuts and cannot wait for Kushida to tap this asshole out. It's perfect. Two
1: spots I loved in that match. Number one, he goes for the Gato clutch, and people bought it as a finish,
0: which is Oh, my God. The people are going nuts. It's amazing when you
1: think about it. Why would you buy that as the finish? (laughs) He just lost to Finley. And they they legitimately bought it as the finish. And Rich, I'm not going to lie. I kind of did, too. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, I actually watched that one unspoiled and because um, I didn't actually did not know what was going on. I forgot uh, who won that one. I assumed Kushida, but I didn't know I got up and I was like, oh no, does Gato actually win here? Like I, I don't remember like it, it's one of those things where these matches are starting to blend together a little bit. So waiting a few days to watch this was like, holy crap, like
1: where they placed it in the match was brilliant and that's sort of the brilliance of Gato. Now he doesn't do the things he did 20 years ago. I mean shit. I've seen him have I saw him have a match live where he where he didn't take a single flatback bump. And, and, he had, and, he had a ma- and he had a crowd in San Antonio that had no idea who he was in the palm of his fucking hands. And I think that's another and, and, um, trend in this tournament. His match, most of these nights, gets the best reaction from the crowd. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's been the trend for his matches in, in this tournament just about every night. The other spot that I loved, and I know that you noticed this, he did the rainmaker pose and the and the camera cut to the wide angle and i fucking went nuts in my liver i'm like that is so <laughs> fucking amazing that's great because he's been doing the the uh, the rainmaker but he jabs the guy in the face instead of giving him the clothesline so on this, against Kushida, he just he looked around, and the way he sold it was so... He like looked around, and he's like, well, fuck it, I'm going to do the pose this time. So he does the fucking Rainmaker pose, and they actually cut the camera to the wide angle like they do for Okada, which I thought was brilliant. I thought it was great. I thought it was funny. I thought it was just tremendous. And then Kushida Kushida actually reversed the uh, the Rainmaker you know, jab or whatever, and that's what led to the finish. And uh, yeah, just a great match. Definitely in my top five. If you've got a top three, the only ones you have it behind are Ricochet, Will, and, and O'Reilly, Kushida, which is saying a lot. But I, I can't really mm-hmm. disagree with you. You know, Gato's had a bunch of good matches. So I,
0: and Kushida uh, Taguchi is right up there as well. I thought that was fantastic main event. Yeah. Uh, from the 29th, I believe. Yeah. That, uh, the days are all blending together for me. I'm just mostly going by the dates. O'Reilly, the sport, Romero
1: but. had a good match. Yeah. But I oh, yeah. think for me, and you know I think it's been uh ricochet, I think it's been Kushida, and I think it's probably uh probably been Gato. I mean, I've liked vol I have liked Volador Junior stuff, but not loved it. Will other than the match, he's had fun matches, but nothing that I'm going to be running out of my mm-hmm. way to see you know uh next week or next year or whatever. O'Reilly's been good, sidell has been okay. I like what Taguchi has done, not as much as other people, but he'd be in my top five for sure. So it'd probably be those three. I'll tell you what I like about Ricochet, Rich. He's beating people with that submission move.
0: Yeah, I, I, like, I like that he's been very grounded. Uh, this turn, uh, did you watch that Liger Great match yet? Match. The Ricochet-Liger one? Yeah, it was really good.
1: And that's the thing. He's, he's working matches with people that suit people's styles. That tells me two things. Number one, he's maturing as a worker. Okay, he's going in there with Liger and he's not trying to have an Osprey match. He's having a Liger match. The other thing it tells me about Ricochet is is something.
0: His knees hurt? Yes.
1: And he's, he's now <laughs> in his late 20s. And this is when, look, we've done statistical studies on this. Okay, this is not us talking out of our ass or being anecdotal. We've studied this on this show. And flyers begin to slow down in their late 20s. They don't wait till their 30s, it happens in their late 20s. And he's what, 27, 28 years old now? And he's starting to curb back his style. Uh, The Benadriller was the first step, and now he's added this submission hold, which he has very intelligently, in my opinion, begun to establish in this tournament when all eyes are on him so that people will take this hold seriously uh, in the future when he moves on to other matches. So I think Ricochet has worked a very smart tournament, and his matches have not let me down on any of the nights.
0: Uh, I was actually doing some searching. I forgot that the Gato Jericho match you're talking about is Halloween Havoc 97. I remember that match. and It's really good except Except for that botch that you're talking about. The botch just like completely. But actually, I remember watching this back. It was actually around Halloween last year because I like to do sort of theme, you know, rewatches or whatever. This show, I think, might be my like when you talk about the first three matches on the show, every single one is at least. You know, the Jericho Gato one sort of drags on a little bit because of that botch. But it's still a, a pretty solid match. Here's the first three matches on this one. I don't know if you remember or if you watched the entire card. The opener is Yuji Nagata versus Ultimo Dragon. And it's really good. Do
1: they good. let them go? Yes. Because Yuji Nagata got the short end of the time stick. This is
0: not, yes, this is not, this is, I I was shocked. When Nagata came out, I went, oh, here we go. Like, because he sucks. He absolutely sucks in WCW. This one was like, I don't know what he did. I don't know if he was like, fuck you, or Dragon just said, hey, screw it, do whatever you want. No, they go nuts. Like, I, 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 he might have just got time,
1: because usually he loses in four minutes in WCW.
0: Yeah, he got set. It was, I think, around 10 minutes here for it these two. It was awesome. It was really good. They do some incredible stuff. Like, uh, Ultimo, I, I think people just go watch. I won't spoil it for you. I won't. Go watch it if you have never seen it. Like, just watch the first 20 minutes of Halloween having 97 because you'll be fine. Uh, then you get the Gato-Jericho uh, match, which, like you said, other than that botch, is a really solid match. It's about seven minutes as well. Uh, and that's followed by a little match that you might have heard about, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero for the Cruiserweight Championship. So, uh those are your first three. Uh, and then you get Mongo versus Alex Wright, which I don't b- remember being <laughs> very good. But shockingly, I know. And then I think you get Disco versus Jack. Oh, yeah. So you get Disco versus Jacqueline after that. Uh, Rick Flair versus Kurt Henning. I don't know. I don't remember if that one was any good, but uh, maybe. And then, uh, boy, I don't uh, I don't know what happens after that. Scott Holex Luger, I can assume is not very good. And then I think uh, you end it with, Oh, you got Savage versus Page. That one's not bad, I remember. Okay, it's a good pay-per-view. Go watch Halloween Havoc 97. Is, that's a really good, that's a really good uh, Savage page match. Never mind, go watch Halloween I Havoc 97. I think
1: that's the famous one, isn't it?
0: Uh, there's the Spring Stampede one and then okay. this one. I, for, I, I don't know what people, I think people mix up what the famous yeah. one is. This one is very good, though. This one's awesome. But that Spring Stampede one's really good, too.
1: Well, you got two guys who had good chemistry together, and you had two guys who both had reputations for carefully plotting out their matches, which I know some people view as a negative. I don't give a shit. Just go out there, give me give me a good match. You know what I mean? And those are two guys who were famous for plotting out their bouts, so it makes sense that they'd have good matches against each other. But yeah, so uh and that's why people loved WCW undercards in those days.
0: So. Oh god, the main oh yeah, the main event is horrendous. Do not want that's the steel cage Hogan Piper. Just, yeah, just awful. And,
1: and WCW just yeah, the main off. events were always terrible in WCW. It's Horrible, the undercards yeah. that, you know, were why people like us were buying those shows. You know what I mean? Why the, the smart... "Quote unquote smart fan were buying those shows.
0: I was too young. I was watching on a uh, scramble vision. You were so.
1: hoping for eight seconds of clear picture. <laughs> I got it. I got it. In a lot. between twenty That's seconds tight. of bullshit and then piecing it together <laughs> right. with the audio.
0: Whoa, Roddy Piper's bleeding. Okay, oh, right, all right. right. Let's see what happens later. I'll see what happens. In a few fucking
1: more. with the dial, thinking it would help, even though it didn't.
0: Oh, I'd always slap the side of it because I, I thought, yeah, you know, yeah. And I, I feel like I remember it. every time you'd slap, it sort of worked for a second. Like you'd see a little image. I think I broke like two TVs and my parents never really knew. what was, like, was me at the end.
1: Of course, that was placebo. Of course, that wasn't working.
0: That's oh, so, no, it but, worked. Uh,
1: you know. okay. yeah, and of course, you know, you watch the porn channels the same way.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, on you the porn. <laughs> it you, might be it might be a male it might be a male uh, uh chest or it might be i p I don't know, I just saw a nipple. You so, saw hey. a
1: nipple and that's what you're having it. Take what you can, and right? you got the sexy saxophone music and you saw a nipple and that was good enough to give
0: <laughs> And moaning, a little bit of moaning. Yeah, and it was there, good enough know?
1: to give you a little chub when you're a a young teenager, you know what I mean? So you, but
0: That doesn't take much when you're a young teenager.
1: Exactly. But you have to turn the sound down so your parents don't know that you're watching the porn channel. You know what I mean? So you got to put it down. But I would try to put it down to where it wasn't all the way down because I needed – You
0: always got to hear something.
1: I needed that sexy saxophone music. To this day, if I hear a saxophone, I start to get a boner (laughs) because I, like, conditioned myself (laughs) – Saxophone equals sex, you know? And it's like when you're a kid that your your sexual, you know, future is crafted by the things you experience as a kid. Saxophone music does it for me now, man. I just I start getting a boner with the saxophone. No.
0: You can't well, you don't have to tell me that. But... You, play, you
1: know, I bring a lady over, I play to Kenny G, I'm good to go. You know, I mean? you get Kenny <laughs> G going, you know, and it's like, you know, Lanza's ready. You know, I don't need the blue. You know?
0: Is she ready though? I don't think she's ready after that. Hey, but... listen,
1: they're ready. Okay, i make sure they're ready.
0: <laughs> All right. They, it's happening with the King of Banter. They're you're ready, with huh? The King
1: of Banter, you're ready, okay? Listen, <laughs> I, you know, once I get in this house, I find. I'm like, listen, I'm a good talker, Rich. I'm a good talker, as people here know, okay? So, uh, you know, I, I find my way. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, that got derailed. But, um, so yeah.
0: And now we have an hour left to talk about the other seven things we had to talk about. So let's, uh, let's get it going here a little bit. Cody Rhodes. You want to talk about Cody Rhodes? I
1: do want to talk about Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes yeah. hates us, and not only does Cody Rhodes hate us, but he lies about us. And um you know a couple of weeks ago, he flat out first of all, I had no idea he was still holding on to this because we went through that period where he followed us for a while. Here's the backstory <laughs> longtime listeners know, <laughs> but we always have new listeners, right? Yeah, right. So right.
0: Welcome new listeners. Hi, please subscribe to us, iTunes, all that other good stuff, give us a review, voice wrestling.com. So Thank what you. we Bye. did
1: was we kind of buried a Cody Rhodes Gold Dust match. And um and, and really it was more burying the match and burying the WWE system and burying people who didn't know any other way to wrestle more so than a straight burial of Cody Rhodes. Now I could see where he might take offense to to the rants. It was a pretty spirited rant, but very clearly someone tipped them off that we had talked and listen ties in great to our opening of this podcast, Rich. These guys mm-hmm. do listen. Someone tipped them off to uh, us ranting about this match against Goldust and his- and Cody's working style. And um, a, a big basis of that rant was something that we've held on to ever since was that name three good Cody Rhodes singles matches and nobody ever can. It's, you know, if you take away the gold dust tag team matches, there's really not much there on his resume. And uh, he just doesn't have a good singles career. And, and I think that annoyed him. Anyway, someone tipped him off. He clearly listened. He started tweeting us. He started subtweeting us, which was weird because at the time he had the Stardust account and he had his own personal account. Locked. Yeah. And he was taking the time to subtweet us from his locked account
0: during Raw. Sometimes during too. Raw, like, like after his match. Come on, <laughs> like
1: like seriously, we're not making this up.
0: No, no, it was it was actually like, five yeah.
1: minutes after his match on Raw. He would go subtweet us from Hus- the Husky High Rule <laughs> account or whatever the fuck.
0: It was Husky High, he yeah. was
1: like a like a, he was like obsessed with us because we ripped them on this one podcast. And eventually – if and we we couldn't figure out, is he being ironic? Is he being playful? Is he just busting balls? We couldn't tell. Um, and I kind of know who tipped him off. I, look, he's friends with Pat Buck, as we all found out when he put out his list this week. The name <laughs> that stuck out like a sore thumb is he wants a match with Pat Buck, who a lot of people don't even know who Pat Buck is. But obviously we have a bit of a history with Pat Buck too and, and a lot of the PWS slash WrestlePro guys. And clearly one of his friends, whether it was Pat Buck or it was someone else – tipped him off that we talked about him on this podcast. So he listened, he subtweeted us, he tweeted us, he broke our balls a little bit. We broke his back because we weren't sure if he was being playful or not. And then what, Rich, for at least a year and a half, there was no sign. It it went away. It stopped. Uh, And this had to be at least a year and a half, maybe two years ago. Out of nowhere, about a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, he tweets out of the blue that the voices of wrestling guys, and he tags us, the voices of wrestling guys are mad because I turned them down for an autograph. <laughs> Which, I mean, anyone who knows us knows that that's complete and utter bullshit. First of all, everyone knows that that's not my fucking thing. I wouldn't walk across the street for a wrestler's autograph. Everyone knows that. So it came off like complete and utter bullshit.
0: Yeah, I have five autographs all the time. It's, it's Okada, Kushida, Prince Nana, Sonata, and, I, and that's it. Yeah, and Prince
1: no Nana basically forced it on you.
0: I gave Prince Nana ten dollars, and it so. said to
1: Rich the bastard. If I'm the pussy, oh,
0: Rich, I think the Rich pussy the pussy. called you a pussy. He yeah. signed
1: it to Rich the pussy. That's <laughs> even better. That's fantastic. You've got a Prince Nana autograph that says to Rich the pussy. That is fantastic.
0: And the rest of the people don't know English,
1: so (laughs) So anyway,
0: and we're probably only here for one. You know, I I, I assumed in my life they're probably only be here one time. So hey, yeah. So
1: you know, it's like there's no way, and everyone knows that. But here's the thing: it was annoying because for three days we were getting notifications (sighs) for people favoriting and retweeting the stupid fucking tweet, all like the you know the WWE universe you know people uh, hitting favorite on it, and it was like all these dumb not. That was the worst part, honestly, because the people who know us and follow us know that that's complete bullshit and the people who know him and follow him are never listening to our show anyway so
0: yeah, if I am if I recall correctly, it was right around WrestleMania weekend, and I think we had just done the show where we, you know, we previewed what we would do for WrestleMania, and we said you couldn't, like, by gunpoint, you couldn't take us to Access. No. Like, I'd rather be shot dead you than go to. Access. would
1: Never get me to go to Access.
0: <laughs> like, if you hold a gun up to me and say go to Access, I'd go ah, it's fine. Yeah, just I mean, who like, wants I'm, to go to Access and look at Biggie looking bored? I to wait in line to and get an autograph. Uh, the Eric uh, Rowan sitting yeah. there oh, looking man.
1: bored behind a table. I mean, I have no interest in it. So anyway, that's our back history with Cody Rhodes. Obviously, he's still been holding on to this shit. So, anyway, despite that history with Cody Rhodes, I have to say, when I saw the list, first of all, it took a lot of guts to quit. Um, very gutsy move. He was clearly unhappy with his position. His statement that he put out, I thought, was tremendous. Uh, I yeah. thought he did a great job with the statement. And if nothing else, his statement, combined with the Ryback statement, combined with um, Cameron is it Cameron?
0: Uh, it was Cameron. Yes, Cam- knew, that's why I jumped in because I knew you were going to screw it up. It was Cameron. You know, they're very different looking. But okay. <laughs> I, I, I can't ever, They don't look they're anything t- alike. Look, they look,
1: they're, not. they're a tag team. They kind of look alike.
0: <laughs> so whether knows. it's them
1: or the Briscoes or whoever else, I can't tell them apart. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. Okay. The
1: <laughs> Usos. All right, I can't tell any.
0: I feel like you can tell the Briscoes apart now. Now right? I can. Yeah, not 2003, 2003 Briscoes, Briscoes like, I couldn't tell them apart. Yeah. Well, one of these (laughs) Cameron had blonde hair. Naomi has black hair.
1: Naomi had the giant ass. That's the difference.
0: Naomi had a giant ass.
1: All right. So anyway, between (laughs) those three statements, I think what we've ascertained is there's very much unhappiness in that locker room. And it's usually Mm -hmm. for similar reasons, frustration, getting your ideas across to creative. And look, not everyone's going to main event WrestleMania. I say that all the time. You know, someone's got to be a ditch digger. Someone's got to be a prelim guy. But I think the frustration is no one listens. That's the frustration that's coming through. Not necessarily, and you could throw JTG in there with the book that he wrote and some of the things that he tweets.
0: Yeah, he talked about pitching people all the time for years on end, end. sending stuff.
1: In fact, to paraphrase him, what he said was, you'd be surprised. You know, you think when we're not on TV, we're sitting home on our couch. It's not true. They're bringing us to TV and we're constantly pitching things and constantly it's falling on deaf ears. And it kind of – that matches up. All four of these people have had the same things to say. I don't even think at this point it's about not getting pushed. It's about not being listened to. Yep. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the big key here that that comes across with all of these statements. And it took guts. And I agreed with everything he wrote. And um, I think that his statement was on point. And I, I think it was very brave of him to quit. And I have a lot of respect for what he had to say. And the other thing is I have a lot of respect when he put out that list because we speculated like we speculated with the Ryback. We don't know if he's in tune with where the good places are to work in terms of getting buzz. Remember, we had that conversation and I wasn't quite sure if Cody Rhodes was going to be a guy who understood where to go to get buzz, where to go to to, to be in the in the in the in the in, in the uh, the higher profile places to be. If you're not in WWE, clearly based on his list, he does get it. I mean, he wants to work uh, Battle of Los Angeles. He wants to work against Shibata. He didn't have a first name. I hope he wasn't talking about the dad because he's dead. But he wants to work with someone <laughs> named Shibata, okay? Uh, you know, and obviously it's Katsuyori. I'm I'm bust I'm busting yeah. balls here, but uh, his list was very impressive.
0: Trevor Lee is on there yeah. Dalton Castle like these aren't names like like household names like you know you have Kurt Angle on there and that's somebody and like even like a Chris Hero that's one that makes sense to be on there. but when you get guys like Dalton Castle and Trevor Lee and like Shabbat or whatever those are guys that you know even a Roderick Strong to an extent are guys that are not in your face type like big time you know superstars or whatever those are guys you know hey
1: what came across on the list is, is he's, he's a guy who does pay attention to wrestling Mm, exactly. and, and the other thing that came across in his statement, which surprised me, is he didn't want to be Stardust for months and months and months and maybe years. He didn't want to be Stardust anymore, but they wouldn't let him out of it. And I'll tell you what. I give him a lot of respect because that never came across.
0: Hey. No, we, th- we thought he was the idiot. Yes. That was, you know, we kept saying, man, give it up. Like, he stop. Worked us. Go. He
1: worked us. Yeah. Because I thought he was trying to make that thing work, which which means. I believe him when he says that he really put his heart into everything that they asked him to do I believe it because it never came across that he didn't want to be stardust it came across to me like he was trying to make this dead fucking gimmick work but that mm-hmm. wasn't the